All right, welcome back. I usually don't do these little intros before the episode because I think they're stupid and a waste of time. However, I wanted to say a few things before we get started with Grub from the Garden. Uh, happy 419, Bicycle Day, yesterday, and today we recorded on 420. So although, trigger warning, that's why I'm giving you the intro, this, we, or this, this week's episode with Nick talks about smoking weed, quitting smoking weed, psychedelics, not doing psychedelics, uh, jerking off, not jerking off, sex, coming, uh, drinking your urine, putting your asshole in the sun, and we say all the words like F and S, all the nasty words, not too much, but just be warned, all right, so I hope you had a great bicycle day and took some acid, I did, I was with you in the acid experience, but uh, looks like time's running out for me in psychedelics, we'll see, as you'll hear in the Grub from the Garden podcast. So again, trigger warning, if you're easily offended by curse words or talking about bodily functions or sex, you won't like this episode. Uh, but you will be entertained, and I think you'll get some laughs. So enjoy, you are enlightened. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Float Universe podcast. It is 4.20 today. Hope you're enjoying that. A lot of you out there, a lot of you aren't enjoying that. And I'm right here on the fence. I've been smoking for quite a long time and uh, 10 years now. I smoked a little bit today, but I wanted to stay clear for our guest today, who is really, um, his content over the past few months has really spoken to me. And this, like, this, this podcast is about reaching out to these people I've encountered through my spiritual psychedelic journey on Instagram. So today's guest is somebody really interesting. His name's Nick Caputo. He is going to hopefully talk to us about the Caputo method of holistic ease. Really interesting uh, fellow, breatharianism, urine therapy, uh, shining your butthole among things we hope to talk about today. Nick, how are you doing? How's it going? I'm great. Thriving. You know, every breath is a victory what's going on brother nice to, nice to get on here thank you I, I appreciate you coming on i just i've been so not only entertained by the people that are triggered by your content because i've been through this <laughs> myself where a couple of years ago i tried to quit and just talking about quitting with people uh with eighty thousand followers you'd get you know half of these people extremely agitated by the fact that i'm even talking about the, the fact that, hey, you know what, maybe smoking all the time isn't the best for you. Maybe there are things inside of marijuana that aren't good for your body. Um, you know, I like GMO, you're, you're cooking your breath. Like there's so many like memes you've made. And the one that really like got this conversation going with me, uh, wanting to talk to you was the one, and I just recently posted it today again, was the one about the two um, bongs, you know, the, the clean bong. Mm. And uh, the one, the one with the, you know, your lung. This is your lungs, basically. The one, if you're smoking all day, this is what your lungs look like—a dirty bong. And then if you're not, it's a clean bong. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm like, you know, I'm always thinking, oh, this is so good for me. This cures cancer. There's nothing wrong with weed. I can't, I can't do anything wrong with this stuff. But I know I'm having these uh, peak spiritual experiences in the float tank and with psychedelics, and every once in a while without psychedelics. But I know a lot of the stuff that you're talking about is very true. And, and, and my thing is, like, I want to do a lot of these things, but it's like, whew, it's, it's a lot of effort coming from the unconscious space to the conscious space and trying to deal with a lot of the things you've accumulated as habits or the pain of reaching into something new, like uh, just breathing. I mean, to be honest with you, 
being a 10 year smoker and now trying to breathe and do, do a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. It's, 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 it's effort. It's not easy for me. So, um, so, so again, just thank you. I'm just glad you're here and I'm glad to keep attracting people like you into my life that are like, you know, you take a lot of shit, I think in the, in the spiritual community and the non-spiritual community for a lot of the content you put out. So how did you get started from, were you ever normal? Were you ever a normal person steeped in unconscious living with unconscious parents or have you always been spiritual? Uh, yeah, I was, I grew up in New Jersey, deeply, deeply unconscious living. Um, there were things in my life, like parts of me that were always kind of the way I am now, like my ability to communicate, communicate and retain information and the not eating animals. Like I never ate animals my whole life, uh, just like intuitively, like my whole family thought I was insane. My parents took me to like eating specialists and tried to, you know, get me to eat meat and I just, I wouldn't do it. Um, and certain different foods, like I, I was very picky about what I ate growing up. So for me to transition food wise, uh, to fruits and then eventually, you know, to more liquids and stuff like that was pretty easy for me because I wasn't, there weren't a lot of foods for me to give up. But as far as like smoking goes, like I smoked weed for five years, like blunts every day, like five, 10 blunts a day for years from when I was like 16 to when I was like 21, heavy drinking alcohol. I did, I had a period of my life where I did basically every drug under the sun almost except for like the serious ones like i never did heroin or like crystal meth or any of those but all the party drugs that you did like kids doing in college I, I did it all i was definitely at a period of my life where i was running away from myself and through that i mean i learned that that's not what was meant for me and i came back to this path but it was it definitely is a process and it took a lot of learning and basically what i try to be for the community or for you know anybody is that guy who can kind of take all this information that's really hard to find and put it in one easily comprehensible body of work. And that's basically what the Caputo method of holistic ease is. It's, it's one collective body of works that sums up basically every step of the way of the process. And it's, it's a lot of stuff and it's definitely no easy path to walk down, but it is definitely satiating the whole journey. You know, it's, there's a lot I can say on it, but I guess that's a, that's a good way to open it. Well, <laughs> I guess that question. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's just a lot of people that like, there's, I'd say the people are going to listen to this. I say half the people are where you're at, kind of where I'm at more so where you're at more holistic, more off substances, off the, any kind of training wheels or crutches they need. And then you got the other half that's going to listen to this is going to be their full science. They're full, uh, NPCs, they're they're very much asleep. They are, and again, nothing wrong with science, but a lot of the stuff you get into, it's metaphysical, and you you remind me a lot of Tao Lore. I don't know if you call if it's Tao or Tao Lore. I don't know if you guys call them, but Taylor, but, yeah, Taylor. But then I remembered, I'm like, I'm like, that's like you guys basically are speaking the same language, and I'm like, holy shit, like they know because I saw the other day, like you were friends with him, and I guess he, I studied with him. He he was my mentor. He taught me a lot. Um, when I first met him, he put me onto the breath work. He put me onto the breatharian perspective. He kind of almost took me under his wing in a sense. And I studied all of his work and just, you know, eventually, you know, obviously he wasn't my only source. Yeah. Eventually I took what I learned from him and applied it and connected the dots with other things like urine therapy and whatnot to 
come up with the Caputo method, basically. Well, because that's what well, the thing was. I'm like, I'm I'm having my own experience a couple of years ago where I'm doing acid all the time in the float tanks. I'm I'm having very high peak spiritual experiences, and I'm encountering this kind of information: the breatharianism, a high vibrational living, um, and and in Tao lore, his posts like are in this field of attraction that I was bringing into my life over that period of time, and it's very powerful stuff. Stuff that was so reversed. You could show it to someone who is unconscious. They say, well, that's no way that's possible. Uh, like for the, the big thing is, and this is what really caught my attention with you was, not only is the way you're able to express these things, but just thought, I mean, just I, I saw you snorting your urine. And at first I'm like, when you, mm-hmm. now let me ask you this. I see it's O-R-I-N. How do you say that? So people pronounce it Orin. Um, I'm not actually sure why they call it Orin as opposed to urine. I usually don't use that word too often, but the community does. I think it's, it's more of like a sound thing. Like it's, it's just breaking the barrier of thinking of urine as waste. So they call it Orin to like claim that to, to make it seem like it's a different thing than what you learned was waste. You know what I mean? I like that actually, because I think that's why they do it. it kind of sounds like gold even, you know, Oren, and, and, and it does, it does remap hmm. that uh, thought of like, okay, I'm drinking my waist because you know, that was the first thing I saw with you. I'm like, holy shit, this guy is like, at first I thought you, you, you said you're sniffing your urine. I said, well, what do you do? Do you dry, do you dry your urine and then sniff it like uh, cocaine or something? But no, then I saw, <laughs> then I saw a video and I'm like, wait a minute, he's literally sucking it down through his nose. Now, is this, is this to avoid the taste in, in your mouth and the tongue? Like, why do you snort it? Okay. So this is an interesting topic. So basically your sinuses are a lot bigger than you were taught that they are. Like they're huge cavities that go into your cheeks and up into your forehead. They, they have basically anytime you, you process anything with your senses, you process it through the sinuses and the sinuses create nitric oxide, which when you breathe through your nose goes directly down into your blood and dilates your blood vessels. So you get better blood flow. Nitric oxide does a lot of things for the body, but it's produced and stored in the sinuses. So when your sinuses, these big cavities, are filled with, you know, things like oils and just pus and mucus, you know, dried snot from years of eating food. And not only that, you know, like if you're sleeping indoors, you're getting dust in your air. And if you live anywhere near a city or just pretty much anywhere in the world at this point, you're breathing in metals and stuff from, from the chemtrails and from what's in the atmosphere and, you know, industrial pollution and all that shit. So that's all kind of getting stored in your sinuses at some point and drying out mucus and forming plaque in your sinuses. And this is what I refer to as gunked up. You get gunked up. So right. basically what, what the urine does is you, you snort the urine to remove that plaque and that mucus from the sinuses. Now the, the urine is extremely electronegative and especially as you mature the urine or you age it, that electronegative charge in, increases. So it becomes more powerful. So basically it's a magnet for all of the positively charged, dead, dried shit that's stuck in your sinuses and you'll feel it like literally one, one snort originally, like you take like, you know, when people are clogged up, like you'll see me like drinking it through my nose. That's like where you want to get to. But most of the time when you start, your sinuses are so gunked up that you can't really do it yet. Your goal is just to snort it really quick and just let the mucus pour out of you. Keep blowing your nose, keep like spitting, spitting up mucus. And after you do it for the first time, you could still be spitting up mucus over an hour after you do it. 
Yeah. And it'll just keep, it'll just keep coming out of you. And then you'll be able to breathe for the first time. And you can do it in rounds. You know, you, it might take a couple snorts, like, you know, five, 10 snorts before you're really, really empty. Like where you like really are cleaned out with your sinuses and you'll be able to breathe like you never felt in your entire life. Like I have so many testimonials of people doing it. Like I encourage people who take my breathwork bootcamp course to do it. And everybody who does like a hundred percent success with every single person who's ever done it even like my little brother did it one time when he was sick and like he's not really on this wave at all um you know with the urine especially like a lot of people it's it's hard to get them on the wave but it's insane how big the community of p users (laughs) um has gotten and even like my parents like my dad and my mom are doing urine enemas now oh wow and stuff like that (laughs) so it's it's pretty interesting how with the with the urine well, that was, it really is powerful. The same thing with the enemas as with the, with the snorting, with the nose drinking. It's, it's magnetic. So it's pulling all the waste, all the plaque, all the gunk out. And it's nourishing you at the same time. So another thing with both the colon and the uh, sinuses is that you're still absorbing the nourishment from the urine. So I guess I'll go down into what urine is because I feel like some people listening may not fully understand this concept and it's important to understand. Um, so basically the urine is blood. It is your blood. It is your liquid consciousness, your full essence of your crystallized breath. And it is cleaner actually than the blood in your veins, contrary to popular belief. So the medical term for urine is plasma ultrafiltrate. Now, most people refer to it as urine or orine. I, I refer to it as plasma because that's what it is. It's blood plasma. So the plasma is filtered blood. Now, the kidneys don't filter waste from the blood. That's like a completely new Western medicine concept, and it's completely incorrect. The liver is what filters the blood. Now, the liver takes the waste out of the blood and sends the waste to the colon, to the feces. You poop out your waste from your blood. Now, everything in excess of that, the clean blood now that's left over, the filtered plasma, is now going to the kidneys, where the kidney's job is to reabsorb what is still needed and to decide what is excess and what we need to reabsorb back into the blood. Now, after that, all of the excess goes to the bladder where the bladder is a storage medium where you would reabsorb when you need it. Like, let's say you go out and you sweat, you would absorb more from the bladder or you exhale through your mouth and you're losing water that way. You would reabsorb that into the bladder and go back into your bloodstream. Now, when there's too much, you know, we drink too much to compensate for the fact that we eat too much. And then that's why we pee. And, you know, they don't call it pissing your life away for no reason. You're literally spilling blood. So you're, nothing ages the body more than loss of blood. And that's why when you ejaculate, like for men, we're talking semen retention now, you lose a pint of blood to replace what's lost with one single ejaculation. It can take over 70 days of breath refinement in order to replace what's lost from a single ejaculation because you have to rebuild blood in order to make that semen. It's basically concentrated blood is the seed. Now, with women, this is the menstruation. So when you bleed on your period, you're never supposed to bleed, not even a single drop on your period. And when you do, that's how you're losing your blood. So women are supposed to eat right and, and fast and do the breath work and you know take care of their vehicle so their body doesn't hemorrhage. Hemorrhaging on a moon cycle is completely unnatural. No other animal in the animal kingdom does it. So... That's basically a big concept with the urine is that like we drink it because we don't want to lose plasma. And until you train your, 
and the reason why we pee so much as well is not just the overconsumption of liquid, but also because our kidneys and bladder are aligned with plaque, just like our sinuses. So we use the urine drinking, the urine snorting, the urine enemas to clean out the body to allow it to return to that alchemical state where the body can now reabsorb the urine back into the bloodstream and loop internally. So we refer to drinking urine as looping because you're just, it's on a loop. It comes out, you put it back in, it comes out, you put it back in and it's in a loop. Eventually your body will loop internally where it'll get to the bladder and kidneys and fully reabsorb and then go through the whole body and then go to the bladder and kidneys and reabsorb and the liver will filter. So eventually the concept with the aged urine or the mature urine is that as the urine sits in a closed environment, it will get better with age. And it's not just like better, but it's like the electromagnetic charge will get stronger. The structure of the water itself will gain integrity. As you'll see the sediment around the bottom and the sides of the jar, that is the structure of water. That is the same way that your blood actually flows through your veins. We could get into that, but that's, that's a kind of more in-depth topic. I wrote a book on that called heart diseases, dehydration that, that, um, compares that. But, um, with, the breatharianism, right? In order to sustain breatharianism, to not eat or drink, you don't just stop eating out of nowhere. This is a process that takes years to train your body to do what it's supposed to do again after we took decades fucking ourselves up and gunking up our bodies. So now you need to get that plaque off the bladder and kidneys until your body is now reabsorbing on its own, where you can not pee, but your bladder will empty back into your bloodstream. And then when you're at that point, you're basically living with aged blood or aged, you know, mature urine as your bloodstream. And now when you mature the urine, you also notice not just the electro negative charge, you know, being stronger and the structure of the water uh, gaining integrity, but also the stem cells. The stem cells is a big, the biggest reason, in my opinion, why we age the urine other than the, the magnetism of it. So yeah, that caught my eye when you, when I was reading about that uh, in your post, I was like, whoa, stem cells. Yeah. And stem cells are known in, you know, for helping cure cancer. And, you know, I've helped lots of people reverse cancer with urine therapy and breath work and fasting and, you know, the whole Caputo method of holistic ease. And we can go through the nine pillars at some point in this podcast. Yeah. So, but, let, me ask, um, let me ask you a question. So when you're like somebody, what, this is what they'll say. If you're dehydrated, you're pissing almost orange. You're very dark color. Now, do you, when you pee, do you pee very clear? Like how is, you know what I mean? Are you, you're, I assume you're healthy, you're hydrated. Does a, does, a, does a person like you have clear pee or like dark yellow pee? Yeah, no, my pee is completely clear and you could almost barely notice the difference between my pee and distilled water. And it tastes like nothing with like a little hint of like coconut water kind of sweetness. Okay, it actually so, tastes good. So that, that okay. So that, that was, that was like, I really wanted to know that. The second thing is when you age it, cause I noticed now when you, I, okay, it's clear when it comes out, when you age it, does it get darker? Um, sometimes. Yeah. Cause I'll be it watching, I'll, I'll watch your videos and I'm like, oh man, I'm like, is that, is that really a, a giant mason jar full of urine or is it apple juice? Because I'm honest, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm gagging and that, and that's really the power, <laughs> that's the power of the mind. Just watching you and your homeboy there just, and he can't drink it as good as you can. That and, was his first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I mean, this could totally be apple juice and i'm just totally having a mental like I'm, i was like g <laughs> gagging i could barely watch and i'm like well these guys are the real deal and here's the other question how has this affected uh your love life i mean just the people i even talk about it they're like don't do it don't be a piss drinker 
<laughs> How, has that affected your love life or your sex or is that even an issue? Do you even have sex? Honestly, I would say it's improved. Yeah, no, I do have sex. I'm tantric. I don't ejaculate, but I do have sex. Um, and it's honestly, I, I wouldn't say it really affected my, my sex life that much because my girlfriend and I both do it. Okay. So well, like, yeah. we, le- we learned about it together. So like we drink each other's and like she drinks mine, I drink hers. We use each other's. Like if I need something for my hair and I don't have to pee, like I'll just use hers. You know what I mean? It's like back and forth. So people who are like partners can, can use each other's or like anybody can drink anybody's, but like you got to be conscious of what you're doing because that's a seriously intimate energetic exchange. Yeah. So like you're, you're literally letting someone else's crystallized consciousness, like their crystallized breath go straight into your vehicle, like into your temple. So it's like, obviously I'm not out here about to drink anybody's piss except like hers. But I mean, like my dad used mine when he was reversing his diabetes um, because he, he thought that mine would be cleaner than his, which I didn't disagree with. So he, he used my aged a couple times while he was reversing his diabetes and it helped him a lot. I, yeah, I think that's an important point. So, like, I'm I'm not I'm not like super healthy. I I try to be vegan every once. In a while. Are you vegan, by the way? Well, yeah. I mean, I never ate an animal really my whole life, but I wouldn't even consider myself vegan because I hate that word. It's like literally a cult, just like like a lot of things that are popular trends are. It's I mean, I don't eat animals, so I guess you can consider right. me vegan okay. but i don't identify as vegan because like i don't eat most shit that vegans eat like right. Oreo is vegan or like you know what i mean like potato chips are vegan yeah fake meat like, shit like that yeah like i'm not really on that wave like you could consider me fruitarian but i mean i don't even eat fruit every, i don't eat every day i don't eat every week yeah no i'll it's, tell you uh, just so just like just a few of these nuggets like for for example this sticks in my head every time i'm putting something in my mouth now since hearing this it's like if you're not eating something that is like 70 percent water or more now, can you explain this? Your body is like doing something to replace what's it's. I, I can't explain it the way you explain it, but you know what I mean. Like you, you. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. I can explain it. So basically, your body is seventy percent water, right? You're already whole. You lack nothing, so you need nothing. But now, everything that you take on, you're merging with. So when you consume something, you have to merge with it. And in order to do that, it's going to take from you what it lacks. So think of it like paint, black is the one true color it is light in its whole form it is it is the the highest frequency color right it is a combination of all colors is black now when you take black paint and you mix it with a lighter color let's say yellow right you mix black with yellow the yellow paint will steal some of the black from the black the black will give up some of its wholeness in order to merge with the yellow Now, this is exactly what your body does, especially with a hydration sense, with a water sense. As you consume something that's dry or something, anything less than 70% water, this could even be like a Cavendish banana. You have to give it water. You have to give up some of your wholeness, some of your hydration in order to merge with this thing. And you can't process food if it's not wet. And that's why shit gets stuck in us. And that's why you need to drink water when you eat because you're compensating for the dryness of the food. Because otherwise, the body has to give up water that makes up your tissue in order to actually process that food. So this is a big reason why we get chapped lips or our skin is dry or our hair is dry or we don't cry. We don't cry enough. You don't feel as much emotion. And I wrote a whole book about this called Emotional Rehydration. Wow. And it's basically about how when you – the emotional part of this and its importance – 
as a lot of people fail along this path because it, it really comes down to just being scared to feel your own emotions and, you know, resisting your own emotions. But people don't realize that there's just by suppressing them, they're just storing them. And energy is always supposed to be exchanged. It's never supposed to be held on to. Everything is an exchange, a yin and yang. Now, when you like walk, right? You're passing energy back and forth from one foot to the other. You're giving energy to the, to the ground and receiving it as you propel yourself away from the ground. Now, this is like symbolic almost of every, every other energetic exchange. So when you feel emotions, you receive them from something. This energy is coming into you from something, whatever it is, like whether it's something that you read online that triggers you or whatever, you're receiving energy. And that's what an emotion is. And it's energy that's, you feel it as an emotion, like a negative emotion, which is really a disease, when your energy pathways are blocked with dry shit already. Now you suppress it with more dry shit because water is the element of emotion. Air is the element of intellect. Earth is the element of lust. Fire is the element of passion or, or purging, detox. So as you are hydrated, you're more emotional. So basically, you, the more hydrated you are, the more sensitive you are to emotions and the more sensitive you are to energy. So when you are fasting, you are rehydrating old blockages. So think of like an emotion as a grape, right? The water in the grape is the emotion that you feel. And what you do when you smoke or you eat dry food or you, you know, eat salt or like whatever, any kind of dehydrating, except drink alcohol, whatever it is, you're drying up that grape into a raisin. And just like a raisin, how it can now stay good way longer than the grape on the shelf, you're basically storing that emotion. You're putting it on pause and you're storing it somewhere in your body and it's stuck. And then when you rehydrate while you fast on liquids, you are basically turning that raisin back into a grape. And now you can feel those old emotions again. So like on day 30 of a fast, you might rehydrate a piece of shit that's been stuck in your colon for 30 years. And then you might get a memory and a flashback, like a full detailed memory, emotionally, logically, visually, auditorily of like somebody making fun of you in third grade. And you might want to cry your eyes out just randomly in the middle of the day on a, on a fast 30 days in. And this is completely normal. But this is what people don't, understand about the process and then all these emotions kind of smack them in their face at once and they're not ready for it because they weren't prepared and the emotional vomit you know you're you're tasting those emotions on the way back up like you would taste your food on the way back up as you vomit it is intense for people and i guess the sensitivity is another thing as well the more you get sensitive to energy people aren't used to the sensitivity especially living in like the society that we do a uh, big reason why I, I moved out of New Jersey to the tropics is that when you're near people and you're in a crowded area, like you can feel everyone's emotion. You feel everyone's insecurity, everyone's fear. You can feel all of the, the cell phones in that store, all of the Wi-Fi's on every house, on every street. It's like inescapable. And you realize that you're stuck in an electrical cage. And then when you, you know, get out and you go into the tropics, the contrasting experience, you know, when you're not away from a city and you're, you know, like where I live in the DR, just in the middle of almost nowhere <laughs> by the beach, you feel so much more peace. There's so much less like energy being thrown at you. And this is a reason why a lot of people can't sustain this lifestyle living in cities because there's so much stimulation. We're yeah. so numb. People are so numb from the substances, you know, they're standing at a substance from all the substances that they're basically like underwater. And for someone to, you know, for 
energies that I pick up subtly. Like I can tell when somebody's mad in the room or if somebody's like feeling some type of way and it's like nobody else can feel it because it's like they're underwater. Oh, yeah, no. The the whole world's upside down and underwater, my friend. And uh, that's why all this information you bring out to, to, I mean, I, I, I can grasp it. I can... I, listen, my, I'm a, we're going to get to it, but my theory with weed and cellular memory and me blocking it and smoking is very much in alignment with your theory, and I can't wait to get to that. Um, I, there's just like there's so many things here. So, yeah, every, every time I look at food now, since I heard that 70% thing, I say, well, uh, goddamn, unless it is a fruit, literally like a, uh, like a grape or watermelon, some kind of wet fruit – it's there's nothing I, I looked at everything else mm-hmm. i had i said everything else That's is it. just gonna dry me out i said this is fucked i said you can only eat fruit drink your own piss and breathe the air i said there's uh-huh. really, you know based on that and that really does make a lot of sense to me so i mean just these little things that stick with me like like, like i said the bong that one image of the dirty bong, little seeds exactly exactly and so you know my whole thing is this world's upside down it's run by unconscious people i don't know if they're doing it if, if the unconscious people or, or, or maybe there's people at the top of the pyramid consciously doing malicious things. I don't know how you think the world runs, um, but you do bring a lot of good points. You know, uh, everything is like a slow suicide in this world. Like sleeping in a bed, you say, is a slow suicide. It sure or, is. Uh, starch, dead animals, uh, refined sugar, alcohol. We all, we all know that. I thought that the, the sleeping in a bed was an interesting one. And that's a hard one for people to get to because... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you want to explain we it... We can you, get into that. Yeah, yeah sure. So... I guess I'll talk about why we sleep, why I don't recommend sleeping in a bed and why it's slow suicide first. And then I'll go into why it's so hard for people. So basically when you sleep in a bed, right, your spine isn't fully supported. You're sinking into the bed. So your skeleton isn't supported by a hard surface. So now your muscles need to stay active to compensate, to keep the spine aligned throughout the night. And the spine still doesn't even really align, especially if you're using pillows. Now your head is tilted up. Now your airway is limited or compromised and you breathe through your mouth and your sleep. And mouth breathing is, that's a whole different conversation. I can probably talk for straight like an hour on why mouth breathing is bad for you. But you know, if you're sleeping eight to 12 hours a day or just eight hours a day, that's a third of your day. And if you're doing that every day, you're spending a third of your life breathing through your mouth with terrible spine alignment, terrible posture. So when you sleep on the floor, the hard surface of the floor supports the spine and supports the alignment of the spine, keeps you in a straight line. Now, that allows the muscles to fully relax so you can get into deeper sleep, deeper states of trance in your unconscious breath work or sleep. And you can, especially if you don't use pillows, now your airway is more open, the diaphragm is less obstructed if you're sleeping on your back, and you can fully get that range of motion of the diaphragm and take full complete nasal breaths during your sleep pretty much everything relates to your breath the the way that your life is like everything is a physical manifestation of your breath so anytime that you can enhance your breathing pattern doing anything will enhance every aspect of your life literally so when you you know the breath patterns are the creation patterns you are this is a computer simulation it's zeros and ones darkness and light And it, everything is light in different light and darkness in different arrangements and different densities of arrangement. And the breath patterns are the creation patterns. You write code with how you breathe and you really write your code in the parasympathetic nervous system when you slow it down, usually only during sleep, right? So 
if you're not practicing like the Caputo method Tumo breath work or any kind of breathing where you're doing less than one breath per minute to tap into the parasympathetic nervous system consciously, you're only doing it when you're sleeping and you're only writing your code unconsciously. So if you're writing your code unconsciously, you want to at least be taking full breaths so you can unconsciously take better breaths and write better code to have a better human experience when you get back into the sympathetic nervous system. So the parasympathetic is where you write your code and the sympathetic is where you run the software that you wrote. Now, sympathetic is like when you're out and about, it's fight or flight. You know, you're, you're out and about doing things, you're awake. That's the sympathetic nervous system. Now, basically the difference for people with the floor sleeping that makes it so hard for people to get into one is because we're so conditioned and you have a huge bed in your room. And why do you, why do I want to sleep on the floor next to the bed? And this bed was expensive, but also it's that, you know, conditioning, that societal conditioning, but more so like on a physical level, it's hard for people because the floor will expose your stiffness. You will wake up the first couple nights, maybe to a week or two sleeping on the floor where your hips hurt and your shoulders are sore and your face kind of hurts from sleeping on the floor because the hard surface of the floor is going to one strengthen your, you're going to increase bone density because your skeleton is actually activated and used while you're sleeping and you're, muscles like it's going to expose your tightness so if you sleep on the floor like on your stomach with your one leg up and your one arm behind you the floor is going to force you to stretch out and get loose and you're going to your body's going to eventually submit to the floor and lay flat in any position that you lay in or, or fetal position so when this happens you know your body will adjust over time within like a week or two usually people find comfort on the floor and the more that you sleep on the floor you'll get way more used to it and eventually hate your bed and not be able to sleep in a bed anymore. Yeah, and it's just, a lot it's of it ties into diet too. I mean, if you're full of food, it's a lot harder to sleep on your back. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, what it boils down to ultimately is just all hands on deck with that consciousness because, yeah, what, what you got in your stomach, what you got in your mind, you know, how you positioned your body, yeah, you're being addicted to the bed. I'll tell you, I, when I, I lived in Japan for like a year and a half. When I first moved there, I was not ready for west or eastern life a little bit i saw those squat, mm. squatty squatty potty toilets i said why is there a yeah. urinal? What, what's the urinal on the floor for but really you know come find out a few years later that's really how you're supposed to take a shit now uh -huh. what, what really fucked me up over there was i got into my room because i was in like a hostel for like the first few months and they're like this is your room it was like a traditional japanese room with like there was no bed it was like a tatami mat and like a little a pillow maybe the size of my hand and i'm like what the, what the fuck is this they're like you're supposed to lay down on your back and put this under your neck so your head is like flush with the floor i'm like whoa i'm like mm -hmm. and i couldn't do it i couldn't do it i couldn't I, I could never get to it but for the past few years for whatever reason i have been uh sleeping on the floor and i mean through unconscious means putting me there ex-girlfriends situ bad living situations but for whatever mm -hmm. for whatever reason I, i've been persisting on the floor so i thought that was very interesting that you that was one of those things i came across in your content was like sleeping in a bed is slow suicide it's like some of these things it's like man the world is so upside down and backwards that you uh -huh. unless you are like right on the edge of that understanding you're gonna laugh at that because it's like no 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 this is the modern world this is how we do yeah. and i like i like posting like that with with quick little lines and saying you know sleeping in a bed is slow suicide and it kind of weeds out the people who are like ready to think and people who are just like completely ignorant because you know some people are like can you explain that 
Like, I, I bet that you're saying this for a reason. I would love to know the reason. And other people are like, this guy's out of his fucking bird. You know what I mean? So it's like, I kind of weed out the people who are ready and who aren't by making bold claims and seeing who's intrigued and who just dismisses. Because I've never heard somebody say some shit that was crazy without wanting to know why they say it. Right, exactly. That, that was my whole thing with uh, Talor in the beginning. I'm like, wow, who is this guy like saying these things that I know are probably true? I haven't been able to experience them, but that doesn't mean they're not existing somewhere as a true thing. And so I, I want, finding him, finding you, and I'm telling you, you, you and your content in the past six months has really hit me right, right in the chest because it's like, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm smoking a little too much. Uh, um, you know, the food, I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm eating because you're stoned all the time. And I, we're going to get into the weed in a little bit. I, I want to keep pushing it off because there's so many other things I want to talk about before we get there. Like, for example, when I was doing my no fat journey, I was able to do no fat for like a, over a hundred days. And then on, the, on like one of the last days I took LSD and I couldn't even get it up, but the LSD was like, go watch some porn and see what happens. And because my whole thing during this no fat battle was like duality. And is it right to have sex? Is it wrong? Should I jerk off? Should I not jerk off? And I was so extreme in one direction that I think the universe just wanted to see what would happen if I actually went the other way. And it, it, it was just a mm. hilarious story. But in my no fat journey, I did discover, and you talked about it with your swollen colon and mm -hmm. uh, hypersexuality in men. And I thought about, now see, when I was trying to figure out what's my issue with this fapping, and I was trying to like, like diagnose myself like a car, like let's take something off here and see what happens. Or let's add something and see what happens. And, you know, pulling things off the table, I'd say, okay, well, what did I do today? Well, I ate this, I ate this bunch of food and then oh, a couple hours later it's digesting. Oh, and now I'm horny for no reason. And so for me, I'm like, this, <laughs> yeah. this, this food is pushing up against my colon and it's making me want to ejaculate. And so I couldn't believe it when... I don't know, like in doing the research for this podcast, I went, I watched your swollen colon video and essentially you're almost saying the same thing. Yeah, that is the exact same thing. The swollen colon, when your colon swells because it's stuffed with shit, you are putting pressure on your prostate. And this also has to deal with when you pee, when you have to pee, when your bladder's full. So that's why a lot of men wake up at morning wood because you got to pee in the morning. You ah. pee in the morning, your morning wood goes down. So it's pressure on the prostate from the bladder and the colon. You're absolutely right about that because I did test that again, doing the diagnosis, which was, you know what? I'm not going to go to bed eating anything and I'm going to see how I feel in the morning versus going to bed eating a, you know, uh, fucking a, bo a, bo a box of cereal, you know, cause you're stoned and yeah. then you're, you're laying there in the morning with rock hard and you got to take the biggest shit and take a long piss. <laughs> now, speaking of that, and by the way, sorry, everybody that's listening to pissing and the shitting. It's, it's okay, guys, just deal with it. But anyway, <laughs> Here's a, we all do it. <laughs> I, I thought exactly. That's why I want to talk about it. We all do these things. So here's, here's a funny one you had. You got to pee when you shit because you're supposed to clean your ass with your urine, not toilet paper. Your ass should be 100% clean without wiping anyway, though. So basically you're saying, mm -hmm. first of all, if you're eating right and doing, the, doing your process, you, you, your shits are clean for one thing. Secondly, yeah. and you're just supposed to, I guess you're supposed to take your penis and just shoot your ass with it when you're done, huh? Just clean your ass with your piss. Or you could use your hand to help, especially for okay. the women. You got to okay. use your hand Oh, to that's help. true. That's true. Like, like pee a little bit in your hand and then like, you know, do what you got to do, clean it out. And then you can pee on your hand again and clean your hand. Okay. And, and when, you, you, when you see your urine as the cleanest liquid to ever exist, because that's what it is, um, you find it a lot less like life gets so much more convenient. Like if you need to clean your hands, piss on your hands <laughs> and wipe your hands. And then once they're kind of clean, like you could dry your hand off on your leg because it's clean piss and it'll just go back into your skin, back into your blood. 
No, when you when your urine is as clean as yours, does it have the smell of like traditional urine? My pee doesn't smell like anything. Like if okay. you were to smell my pee, you like if I if I gave you my pee and told you it was distilled water, you'd drink it and not even know if it was my pee. Okay, see that's that's <laughs> that that's promising because it's like people that want to do this. I I, I was like, man, I'm gonna get gung ho about it one day and I'm gonna just go pee and just drink it. But no, I thought about it. I'm like, you know, I've been eating shitty, or have been eating like you eat and haven't been doing the practices you do. Like I said, I'm middle of the road. I'm healthier than a lot of people, but there's people like you and, and way more that have just, you know, kicking my ass up and down the street left and right. <laughs> um, but no, it's so, ins- but it's so inspiring, you know, like, but, but then you think about it, it's like, oh no, it's going to smell bad. People are going to smell my breath. Um, you know, you don't know what to think, but now that I've talked to you, you know, cause I'm just forming my own conclusions after we're just seeing these videos, which are very shocking to see someone just take a big old mason jar of urine and start snorting it up his nose but um let's see food addiction uh, that's okay so people want to talk about drug addiction people want to talk about being addicted to marijuana yeah. wait before we move on there's actually yeah, yeah, yeah. one one thing i would like to add about the urine when you start so i want to make it clear that like you can kind of go about the process however you want if your pee tastes like shit you can still drink it because it's still cleaner than the blood in your veins and if you want your pee to be clear like mine and, and tasteless and smellless like mine, you actually should drink it when it tastes like shit. And that's the fastest way to get it to be clear. And you'll notice that if you even take one day and just say, I'm going to loop all day today. You pee, the first one is dark and disgusting. The second one is slightly less dark and disgusting. By the fourth or fifth one, you're drinking water coming out of you. So your looping is the, is the fastest way to clean yourself out. But you also don't have to put yourself through that and do it that way. You can also just hydrate for a day. Drink like literally like a gallon of coconut water or like eat like a whole watermelon. And then later that day or the next day, your pee will be clear as it gets. And you can start drinking it when it's clear that way too. So yeah, you can approach it in in either of those two ways. Just start drinking it until it's clear or overhydrate until it's clear and then start drinking it and just keep it going. So yeah, that's just what I wanted to add. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's see. Oh, oh, so before we move into weed psychedelics, it's, uh, it seems like a lot of spiritual people on their journey, one way or the other, they encounter them, whether they use them, whether they don't have to use them through grace and they're in the Samadhi spot naturally that happens to some people, or, you know, you do it the hard way. You just work and do yoga and you breathe and you do no substances and you just take it with everything internally and you get there naturally. And I see my journey has been coming from a very unconscious place of pain and suffering, you know, injuries I've accumulated over time, waking up, by the way, have you ever used a float tank? I've not, but I've heard about it. Something I very much want to do. Well, when you get back to the States, we'll have to set that up. Sounds or, good. I'm totally, or, or, I'm totally if, or if you're ever in Florida, you know, if you're ever in Florida, you know. Yo, yeah. actually, where are you in Florida? Because uh, one, of my, one of my boys from home has his uh, professional fight debut in Orlando on the April Perfect. 30th. I'm, um, I'm going to be there. I'll be at, yeah, I'm in Orlando. So there you go. Wow. The holy alignment. There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. What was I talking about? Uh, oh, yeah. Psychedelics and stuff like that. So. Um, how do you, if you're, if you're already spiritual, um, growing up, you get into, how do, how do you get into like psychedelics? How heavy do you go with the psychedelics? And when do you say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to stop using them altogether. So are, are you looking for like my personal experience or what I would recommend? Well, personal experience with like, you know, things like LSD mushrooms, peyote, ayahuasca, stuff like that. The traditional psychedelics 
if they worked for you, what you gained from them, and then why you stopped. Okay, sure. Yeah, so I guess uh, the number one psychedelic that I used the most was definitely acid, LSD. Uh, that was the first one I ever did, and it was kind of like my the one I felt most comfortable with because living where I live, um, I had you know a connect that I trusted to get LSD, and I never really had somebody I could trust to get me mushrooms. Uh, so that was kind of why that was really honestly the only reason why I, I continued to go with acid over mushrooms, but it's not to say that I haven't done mushrooms. Uh, I had my experience with those as well, but acid was the first one that I did. And it was in a period of my life. I was a freshman in college at Penn state and I hated it. And all I was doing was drugs. And this was just another drug. I wanted to see what the hype was about every single drug. I was just like, all right, I want to alter my consciousness in every single way possible. And I want to see what the hype is about everything that people ruin their lives for. Like what the fuck is the hype about it? So I tried everything. Acid was one of those things. And acid was very, very different than anything I ever did in my whole life. And I didn't feel fucked up from it. I was like totally aware and totally like in my mind and totally like hypersensitive, obviously like that's what psychedelics do. But um, it just, it gave me a whole new perspective on what I was capable of feeling. And it kind of like helped me remind myself who the fuck I am <laughs> and how this isn't me and how I don't need to be going down this path because it's leading me fucking nowhere. And I would say that that's what psychedelics are for. They're to remind you what your body is capable of feeling. Because when, you, when you're tripping on mushrooms, that's like you're supposed to feel like you're tripping on mushrooms at all times. Mushrooms are just a reminder of what you're supposed to feel like all the time so that you can motivate yourself to get back on track and get there again. Like on average now, like on a regular day, especially on days where I go to like the sauna or I spend a lot of time like at the beach, I... I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm tripping balls all day. Like I can see if, if I stare at anything, I can start seeing fractals and, and the movement of the fractals and I can start seeing colors change. And if you look, if you like see me in person ever, my pupils are fucking huge always like all day long, <laughs> whether I'm out in the sun or it's the middle of the night, my pupils are huge and dilated like I'm on mushrooms and I haven't done psychedelics in over a year. So basically the psychedelics are like a stepping stone. I would say they're a great tool for somebody who has no idea about the spiritual path, which spirit is breath. Spirit means breath. In every ancient text, like in every ancient language, the word spirit translates back to a word that means breath. So the spiritual path is, is the breatharian path, the, the, breath, the breath work path, <laughs> to, to get closer to the breath. Um, if your spirit is the breath. If you're going to study you know, the spirit, you, you have to study your own breathing patterns. Otherwise, that's, that's not spirituality. <laughs> it's, it's something else. And which it's not to say that it's like everything else about studying yourself isn't a good thing. It's just spirituality is breath study. <laughs> um, at least for the, for the actual meaning of the word spirit. Now, when you take psychedelics, they remind you of this. Now, the breath is the only psychedelic. It's the only genuine psychedelic. All other psychedelics just bring you to the breath. So what like acid or mushrooms or uh, ayahuasca, they're food poisoning. They're food poisoning your body and what sometimes medicine is poison. So what it is, is it brings your sickness to a peak, which allows you to purge. And that's why you then have heightened senses because your body is temporarily in this state of heightened awareness after purging some serious blockages, whether they be emotional or physical. And for some people, most of the time, like for me, it was always subtle. And keep in mind that 70% of elimination in the body is carried out through respiration. So basically, like 
it's a reset. You're resetting your breathing pattern on psychedelics. That's what they are. They're codes. That's no, why I like no, to call them cheat codes. It's interesting. When I was uh, tripping the other night, actually, and I was having a, a hard come up, I, I just totally remembered. I'm like, what you said about the hardware and the software not lining up. And I just breathed as hard as I could to align. And it did. And there was no issues. I'm like, wow, you know, that's mm-hmm. a really good, that's a good metaphor with the, the software and the hardware not being in alignment when you're like that. Because yeah, it's like, for me, I think about what is the come up on an acid trip. And I think it's sometimes it's about your vibrational state is changing so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my theory. I don't know, obviously, what it, what's happening. But it's like, why am I vibrating so hard and so fast? It's, uh, I, I can't, I can, my body can't handle this, the, the state of change I'm going through. But yeah, your breath is what regulates it. It really brought that back into alignment the other day. I'm like, wow, Nick, really? Uh, you know, it's like, God, here's the problem with your stuff. Not for me, obviously, but the problem with a lot of this stuff is, where's the science? You know, a lot of these science-minded people will look at you and say, well, this guy's on a spiritual ego trip and where's, mm-hmm. this, where's the science behind these things? But this is ancient knowledge, I think. And this is yeah, why- And I mean, honestly, there is science behind a lot of it. Like I could, I could go into the science of the, of the urine. I could go into the science of the breath work and what it actually does. I could go into the science of like what psychedelics actually do to your brain, like from a chemistry level. I mean, I just don't share the science because it's less fucking fun to talk about, yeah. <laughs> but it's there. I know the science on it. We could talk about it, but it's like not as fun as talking about the experience. Well, that's the thing. I think I know the science is out there and there's also science out there that will be contrary to whatever you bring up. So I always, I always try to avoid that because it's just, you you should just experience these things and judge for yourself. Like really, I'm just putting the information out there. I think it's funny. I think it's so funny that we are so upside down that maybe drinking your own piss is the cure. I mean, that's how fun. That's how how comical I think the world is. I mean, I'm sure looking Agreed, at your, your, your content, you are an anti-masker. I think this is the dumbest thing we've ever seen in the entire history oh, of the Don't world. even get me started on this shit, bro. <laughs> Fuck, man. It's like, it's like the, the total opposite. When you understand disease like I do, like when you fully understand anything, anything, if, if you have a full inner, I like to say understanding instead of understanding. I'm not standing under it. It's standing within me. But if you, if you fully understand something, and you see the way that the world talks about it, <laughs> and this could be anything. If you understand, like, I don't know, cooking or anything, and you fucking see what people say about it on Google or, like, what the news says about it, you're like, these people are fucking lost their mind. And for me, like, for someone who understands the body and disease to see how people talk about it, it's fucking laughable. <laughs> the whole concept that germ theory is a thing is like completely utterly incorrect. <laughs> like it's, they've tried, even science has debunked germ theory like multiple, multiple times. And like they've literally injected snot from sick people into healthy people's blood and they don't get sick. <laughs> and this is repeatable. It's, it's insane. And if I posted a video on my YouTube called You Can't Catch a Virus. And I included a video and I never, ever, really ever reference doctors because 99.999% of doctors have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to literally everything. But a doctor named Thomas Cohen gave a pretty good explanation on viruses and how you can't catch a virus. 
and some study gave some specifics on studies that were that were done that kind of proved this theory. Now, I don't agree with Thomas Cohen on everything. He promotes eating eggs and meat and like, you know, grass-fed animals and he doesn't really know what he's doing when it comes to everything, but he does understand the body pretty well, just not what to do with the body. But anyway, I posted that video. So anybody who really wants to see the full perspective on like how I feel about viruses and how this whole fucking thing makes no sense, you can definitely just check out that video. I think it's like 25 minutes or something. Yeah, definitely check out your videos on YouTube and Instagram. You've got lots of lives with people too that you've done. I watched like uh, the one that really uh, sparked me to get the conversation going with you was you did a live with somebody the other day and you were talking about psychedelics and you're also talking about McDonald's for a little bit, but I've reached the point <laughs> McDonald's. If you eat McDonald's, you're eating children at this point. I mean, you know what I mean? Like literally I'm- bro. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. So oh my God. I can't believe that's a thing. I don't even want to talk about that. No, no, we, 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 we got but, lots um, of other things to talk about besides McDonald's. Yeah. It's not even like worth the conversation. So what really, like I said, I've been smoking weed for 10 years and I, I have a love hate relationship with it. It's done a lot for me. It's, it's helped me realize a lot of things. It's helped me get through times in my life, physically, mentally, spiritually that were difficult. Um, but you know, with all things, uh, all good things must come to an end. And I'm not saying I'm quitting anytime soon, but your video, it's like, I'm going back in time to what I experienced yeah. a few years ago when I, I quit for a couple of months, but I really reached this point in my life where I felt like I, I, I developed TMJ, you know, with your jaw tightening up and clicking and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was metaphysically searching for the answer because I know physically, you know, a doctor could tell me a whole host of things. But I know, uh, at least my theory is the body is a mentation, meaning it's mind created, like the body flows Absolutely. downstream from the mind. That being the case, I said, well, what is going on in the mind that is creating this problem in my jaw? I, and I, and I did my method. I started taking things off the table. I said, nope, it's not this, it's not this. And the one thing I couldn't take off the table, marijuana, <laughs> seemed to be the problem because I would say, okay, well, I can't quite quit, but let me see oh, if I smoke more, yet my jaw pain gets worse. So I searched and searched and searched. Maybe it's a strain. Maybe it was the, you know, the, the, the flour versus uh, oil. No, what I ultimately discovered was uh, metaphysically, when the stress reaches t- too high of a point, your jaw locks up. That's like the last place the stress can go when you're stressed out and you're unconscious and you're not dealing with your problems. So what I'm saying is in this years of weed smoking, I was not doing any of the homework the universe was giving me. I was putting it on the back burner and I was saying, you know what, I'm just going to smoke more forget about what's going on. Let the problems accumulate. And metaphysically, they reached a point where my jaw had locked up. I had to do something about it. And I started detoxing. I started drinking tons of water, going to the sauna because my thought was metaphysically, there's all these emotions stored inside of me, all these things. And as I did things like a traumatic, uh, T, not TMJ, um, TRE, traumatic release exercises, concentrating on the psoas muscle, uh, I would do things that would release all these traumas out of my body from a space of not smoking weed because I quit for a few months. You know, go, uh, you know, long story short, uh, I had a nice couple months off. I learned a lot of things about myself. The TMJ went away, but like all things, I returned uh, during the holiday season. And now for the past couple of years, I've been again, a chronic weed smoker. Cut back to the past few days where I saw your stop smoking weed video. And basically it's the same thing. You had a lot of theories about why people smoke weed, but the one that really spoke to me was the emotional escapism addiction, uh-huh. right? The emotional vomit stored emotions from the past that have played, uh, that have plaqued 
through smoking and dehydration stored in emotional energetic pathway meridians. So I, that was basically this, another term for the kind of the thing I was feeling, which was emotional vomit are these things that I was trying to clear that you, it's just a different term. Yeah. So why, why did you stop smoking weed? What, what, what's your experience being that it's 420? Uh, how long did you smoke weed? Why did you decide to give it up? And uh, if you want to talk about your stop smoking weed, I have all your notes here. I could totally just talk about your video, but I'd rather hear it from you. Honestly, I'd like to say some things that I didn't say in the video, to be honest, because you guys, okay. can, anybody listening, you could just go watch the video. And, you know, I'd rather use the time here to talk about um, stuff that's not already out there. Um, so my personal experience, I smoked a long time. Basically, like when I was young, I had lots and lots and lots of creative outlets. And as a kid, I didn't, I didn't eat a lot. I was kind of not scared of food, but disgusted by it. Like I would watch my family eat and smell certain things and be like, mm, that's not going to happen. And like, you know, sometimes like my family would go out to eat, like, for example, like they, they love to go to hibachi restaurants. Right. And I would like the smell, but the smell would be enough for me. And the idea of actually eating the food would be like, I'm off that. So basically like I was able to use my emotions in a different way. Like I was able to use my emotions to go to the go to the school and throw the lacrosse ball against the wall as hard as I could or to go, you know, like I, I painted, I drew, I edited videos. I went snowboarding. I surfed. I went for runs. Like I, I did other shit when I was younger. And then when I was like a junior in high school, like maybe like 16, 17 years old, I found weed. I smoked weed for the first time and it just turned off all my emotions. And I honestly like noticed it, right? Like the first time I smoked, I was like, holy shit all my fucking shit, the, the energy that flows through me, it's like on pause. I feel like so much like calmer and so much like less intense. And I was like, I am here for this, man. I could run away from my emotions instead of having to go do shit to like channel them. This is, I'm here for this. And I started do, I started smoking a lot and a lot and a lot. And I was running away from myself at that point. I went to a college where I was like seriously unhappy my first year. I always wanted to go to the tropics, like always. And then, and I ended up going to Penn state in the middle of the tundra and it was freezing <laughs> and like mad snow, like can't go outside without a face mask, like to protect my face from the cold. And like, I was just like sitting inside smoking and just smoking and smoking and smoking and smoking. And eventually it got to the point where, uh, once I started my healing path, you know, I broke my neck. Uh, I think that was like three or four years ago in Colorado and that was the turning point for me. That's when I learned about fraternism. There's a bunch of details. I've talked about this story in other interviews before in, in videos. But um, basically, like, that was the turning point. I went fruitarian. And then I was still smoking. I was fruitarian for almost a year. Like, I was strict fruitarian for a month, for six months. And then from the, for the second six months, I kind of, like, went back into, like, some nuts and stuff, too. But during that whole period, I was obviously 100% raw and not doing breath work yet. I didn't know anything about breathwork yet. I didn't know about Taylor yet. I was listening to John Rose and Arnold Errett and Dr. Sebi and none of these guys talk about breathwork really. So once I found Taylor, which was like that one summer, I started doing the breathwork every day. And after about two months of doing the breathwork every day, I just realized that the weed, like smoking in general, and I was smoking nicotine at the time too, not cigarettes, but like those little fucking jewel, like vape pens. Yeah. And that thing was a lot harder to quit than weed for me. But um, weed, I just felt it making me stupid. I was trying to coach people for free with disease reversal, with diet and stuff like that. And 
I, you know, forgot. I was forgetting what I was saying mid sentence <laughs> and feeling tired and getting like almost insecure about posting like controversial shit. And then yeah. when I spoke, like I'd be on my shit and I'd be alert and I'd be like cognitive. And I was like, all right, this just isn't it for like, it's holding me back and it's making me fucking stupid. And I knew that it made me stupid and I defended it for years. But I mean, throughout the years from like when I was like first starting weed to like three or four years in, I was like, I am a fucking idiot compared to the genius I was my sophomore year of high school. Like I can't remember shit even anywhere close to what I was able to do back then. So I was like, I'm going to fucking get my mind back. I'm going to get my memory back. I'm going to fucking go back to genius. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Hold on. Now this, this, this seems really significant. How did you break your neck? If you don't mind me asking. I was snowboarding in Colorado. Uh, I just mastered the backflip on a wakeboard in the summer. So this was my first attempt at a backflip on a snowboard. And it didn't go so well. I, uh, I hesitated a little bit. And, you know, the biggest lesson I learned from breaking my neck was to not hesitate because of fear. Fear causes hesitation. Hesitation causes your greatest fears to come true. So, so you needed it, to go through a trauma to take it to the next level basically is yeah, what you're exactly, saying exactly it was it was a mess i'm grateful for every breath that you, i took you, with that neck brace on for sure in like, a way in a way you didn't consciously choose to quit as or, or was the accident like what was it like okay i'm just this isn't working for anymore or is it like you know what I, I broke my neck and i'm done i'll tell you the whole thing i'll tell you i'll tell you everything so first of all breaking my neck i landed on my feet with the backflip but i uh the snow was super deep and I, I landed with a lot of speed and I landed more on my front foot. So I hesitated a little bit, but I still had it. But if I didn't hesitate, I would have been able to transfer that weight to my back foot and land and float on top of the snow. But because my weight was on my front foot, I sunk into the snow and then tomahawked like five times and uh. broke my C6. So yeah, it sucked. <laughs> but um, basically once I got home, you know, I was in a neck brace. I couldn't leave the house really. Um, it was only a fracture, so I didn't get the halo. They didn't put screws in my head to keep my neck, my spine aligned or whatever. Um, it was just like a neck brace, but I, uh, I wanted to heal fast and I had an issue with heartburn my whole life. So, and I was still smoking weed when, with my neck brace, like I, I didn't stop smoking weed until about a year after that. Um, when I got into the breath work, but the change happened because one, I stopped going out and stop drinking because I just, what was the point of sitting in a neck brace drinking, like just to get fucked up to do what? And I, um, like I used to drink to have fun for what I thought was fun, like to go out with my friends and like, you know, just be stupid. So I, I didn't see any value in drinking, not doing that. <laughs> so I stopped drinking and I stopped going out and I was, I came to the realization. I was like, where the fuck is everybody? <laughs> nobody hits me up anymore. Nobody gives a shit. It's been two weeks. Nobody, everybody fucking forgot about me because I'm not there to entertain people that don't give a fuck. So I was like, all right, I'm off this fucking lifestyle of entertain, like poisoning myself to entertain people who don't give a flying fuck about me. So I'm off that and I'm done drinking. And then from there I had the heartburn deal. So basically I was going back and forth to the doctor because I always would sleep on my side so that I wouldn't get heartburn while I was sleeping. And I, I ate like shit at this point, like eating like mac and cheese and like Panera bread and like fucking pizza, whatever. Like I yeah, was yeah, vegan, right? Animal, but I, was, <laughs> I wasn't vegan. No, oh, I, not I even never, vegan. Okay. Not even the, the shit. Vegan. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't eat animals my whole life. But at that point, like I, I did eat a lot of cheese like my whole life and I drank fucking whole milk <laughs> my whole childhood. 
And I never got breastfed. I got fed, you know, Johnson and Johnson baby formula bullshit. So I never ate a fruit until I was 19, until I, I broke my neck. That was the first time I ever tried fruit. But wow. It was the first time you ever tried a fruit ever? Holy crap. Literally my whole life. <laughs> I, ate, I ate nothing but like Monsanto lab chemical garbage and, and starch and cheese in different arrangements. Um, <laughs> basically, what I did was uh, with the neck brace, I had to sleep on my back. So the heartburn was just like ridiculous, like acid reflux all night long, waking up like chest burning, like, like as if the fucking broken neck wasn't bad enough. The heartburn was like almost worse than the fucking broken neck. So I was going to the doctors and saying like, yo, I'm like fucking 19 years old. You guys don't have a cure for heartburn. Like you went to school for seven years. You can't help me with fucking heartburn. I got to take a pill for the rest of my life from 19 years old for heartburn. And I was already taking pills my whole life. Like since I was like three years old for heartburn and I was like, there has to be a fucking way. Like you guys have no idea what you're doing. So I was like, they're not going to save me. I got to save me. I'm going to just start researching shit. I, I bet I'll find something. And I came across a couple guys like this one dude, alkaline humanism. Uh, my boy Tyson, really great dude. Put me on to my first green juice fast and like getting into fruits and stuff like that. So I decided like, fuck it. I'm going to go fruitarian. I didn't do my first green juice fast until like about a year later. Like right when I was figure- learning about breath work, that was when I did my first fast. Um, that was more than 24 hours at least. I did a couple like one days or two days, but I never did like a, like I did my first like five or six day green juice fast a year later when Tyson advised me to. But um, basically I just said, fuck it. I'm going to go fruitarian. I'm going to try a week fruitarian. Four days later, the first time in my entire life that I could remember that I didn't have to take a pill and I didn't have heartburn. So I was like, all right, this is the fucking real deal. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I'm not eating anything that's not fruit. And I was only eating blueberries and cantaloupe at the time because I was a picky ass eater. So those were like the only two things that I was like ready to try. And then slowly over the course of the next six months, like I was ordering from Miami fruit and getting some like high quality fruit, like dra- yellow dragon fruits and like persimmons and stuff like that, um, which were awesome. And yeah, I, I went six months straight up fruitarian and then I took a step back and I was doing like nuts cashews pistachios with like dates and stuff like that um a little bit drier stuff and i was making like these like i used to call them fruit pizzas i would use like dates and like pecans and walnuts and blend them up into like a like a dough kind of like for the pizza and then i would just put like mad blueberries and bananas and like fucking fruit on top and that was like my thing for a while but um then about a year later. So I stopped, I, my heartburn completely went away after I went fruitarian. Like I basically just like cured myself in four days. And I was like, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. This is the truth. And eventually I ended up learning everything that I learned even to this day, because I started off trying to defend myself to people, even like my parents, like, you're just going to eat fruit. Where are you going to eat your protein? I'm like, bro, I never ate meat my whole life. Anyway, you guys were never asking me this. (laughs) And it's like, I had to defend myself and learn about protein and how it's a marketing scheme and just learn about nutrition just to defend myself. And then I ended up learning so much that like people would ask me questions and I would give them my full explanation. And they'd be like, do you coach people? Like, do you teach this shit? And I'm like, no, but I probably could. And then I just created the Instagram page. I had the day that I, I did my first green juice fast. That was the first day I started grow from the garden, June 21st. I think it was like, 2019 or something wow so you, you this journey hasn't been too long for you because you're, you're very far along for someone who is relatively new yeah i came a long way in in just a few years but you sure. know i'm a big believer that when you do get clear and you're in a good space you get those cosmic downloads and you can do what you do very easily you know for what sure, i mean bro. like you're living it, it just channels through me it's like that's what i'm yeah that's, 
you're you're, even... you're you're clear of it exactly you're so clear that you can just i think that's a big part of channeling a lot of a lot of times i run into psychics and i'm like you know what the information's out there for all of us you're putting your filter of your ego behind this information and you're you're claiming power but i don't believe in psychics everybody's actually has the psychic ability uh if we yeah, can just right. if, if we could be mentally and physically clear now see the float tank for me meditation that's how i get to these spaces now uh, my struggle on this plane of existence is the physical one which is somebody like you would be a guru to me because you have this physical existence a part of it licked i mean Really, I, I, when you look at this stuff, it's like everything is reversed. Like jerking off is a perfect example. Uh, the science will tell you, I saw one that said, uh, healthy people should jerk off 20 times in every 30 days. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, now what you're saying is if you jerk off, you're losing a pint of blood. I heard you say that, right? Every time you jerk off, you lose a pint of blood or come. Every time you ejaculate, even if it's right. No, no matter how you, that's what I tell people. I'm like, look, there are levels to no fap. The first level is, you know, you're watching porn and you're jerking off. That's the, that's the bottom. The second one is you're maybe just jerking off to some mental stuff and you're, you're, all, you're losing your load every time, no matter what. The, set, the third level is, okay, maybe you're having sex with a partner, but you're also losing your load. And then maybe the fourth level is the conscious sex. Uh, let me ask you this, ejaculation. Are you familiar with that? Of course I am. Now, are you, are you able to ejaculate without any manual stimulation? Meaning I have to use my hand to, to do it, but I'm getting to the point where I don't, have to not quite the breath work is the key to doing that you can't do is it, it okay because that's what i was really like when i was in lsd trying to do it i'm like it was really about the deep breaths yeah you can watch my video on youtube it's one of the first ones i ever posted that's an information video it's called how to eat air it's about the pranabandhas and what they are is muscular contractions that you do when you hold your breath during the tumor sessions that's really the key to doing it like you should be able to ejaculate basically every single x every inhale hold <laughs> Okay. So you're able to have conscious sex then? Yeah, of course. I mean, I had, yeah, me and Jules have sex all the time and it's, it really, all it is, is like people misunderstand sex. Like everything about sex is misunderstood. Like it's supposed to be a linked up breath session. You're supposed to have more energy after sex than you do before. It's not like you're not just jerking off in each other's bodies, you know, like the girl's using you to come and you're using her to come. And it's like, there's not really like energetic connection there. So like, the whole point of sex, it's a sacred energy exchange. You're supposed to refine your energy together. You're supposed to link up and breathe together, do the healing sounds together, massage each other, open up each other's energy pathways. It's a lot more intimate and a lot more um, slow than people think it's supposed to be. It's not just drilling the girl so that you can, you know, arrive at your destination that you expected in the beginning. Right. It's not supposed to be like that. And when you lose that mentality you, you shed that mentality, sex becomes a lot more fun. It's, it's something that like, you're there for the experience of every breath of the experience. So it's not like, you're not looking for an outcome. You're just here for every moment of it. And every moment of it feels good. And you can be more present in the moment because you're not thinking about that expectation of nothing. Oh yeah. No, it's been, uh, like I said, everything's reversed. Jerk off a million times. It's healthy. They teach it in school. Deplete, deplete, deplete yourself. You know, again, it goes back to this, and I, I never got an answer from you. Do you think there is just an unconscious force driving unconscious people? Or do you think there is somebody, maybe somebody like the Illuminati? I don't know if you know about Nation of Islam, but Nation of Islam says there's about 85% of people unconscious, 10% of people that are like malevolent, evil, conscious, but using it against us. And then there's you know, the five percenters, the people at the top, the enlightened ones, the awoken ones, the ones that are here to turn it back and, you know, serve and help humanity. What's your theory on the nature of 
the world and society? Is it an unconscious demiurge that, that unconscious people are just at the mercy of? Or do you think there are man manipulators at the top? I mean, there's definitely manipulators at the top. That's pretty obvious. But I would say that the world is perfect and there's nothing wrong with it. Everything is the way that it's supposed to be. And some people are out here to show you who you want to be. And some people are out here showing you who you don't want to be. And that's up to your discretion. Well, there you so go. Everybody's very, here to learn lessons. Very and, conscious answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody's here to learn lessons. The Tao is in perfect alignment at all times. Right. So, I mean, all there's a everything in the universe is a constant balance of yin and yang. And that's not disturbed no matter what they try to inject into people. You know what I mean? Right. It's pretty much just... You know, every every yang will yin. Everything you give will be received. Everything you receive will be given. So no matter what, that balance is always maintained, whether we like it or not. And yeah, I mean, some people are like, you know, the the news is here to show you what not to think. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, oh, that's, yeah, that's the way I see it. And it's people have to learn lessons for themselves. And I mean, if you really think about like what Earth is, like the three D is hell in quotes. Um, it's basically, it's the 3d is the, the separation station, the pain plane. It is where we are able to feel separate from things where we can detach from the oneness and fall into this illusion of separation. And that's like in the Bible, the story of Genesis, the original sin is the illusion of separation. Eve allowed the serpent, the parasite to allow her or to convince her to think that the apple had something to offer that wasn't already in her, that she wasn't already complete and that the apple would complete her. That is the original sin. The idea that she lacked something and needed what something else had earth allows us to experience that in the physical and that's why earth is already kind of hell you you came down from the astral to the physical in order to occupy this plane to learn lessons to go back <laughs> with basically like you came here like it's it's the natural way that the consciousness experiences itself the oneness breaks down into separation so that it can experience itself through its reflections to re-realize itself as the same thing, as the oneness to return to the oneness. And if that didn't happen, life would be boring. There would be no contrast. There would be, you know, we love contrast. You love hot and cold foods. You love sweet and salty. You love contrast. <laughs> we all do. And without contrast, life would have no substance and there would be no physical life. So, you can consider it hell, but it also is just the way that it's supposed to be. And the ethereal and the earthly are that yin and yang as well. Like there, you need the physical body to project you into the astral planes, but then you also need um, the astral to, you know, not be trapped in the physical. And there's, it goes a lot deeper than that. And I talk about that in some of my books. Uh, one, one book that I feel like everybody could benefit from reading, who's at least somewhat interested in the perspective, like, of the way that the world works holistically is my book called organic AI. It's my favorite book I ever written. I've ever written. It's about 50 something pages. And I wrote it in like two days. It basically just, it just wrote itself through me <laughs> basically, but it's a full explanation on how pretty much the universe is a, is a computer simulation and how, um, the body is, you know, a supercomputer that is autonomous. And yeah, I call it a biochemical quantum computer. I like that. Um, but I want to, Stay with weed a little bit longer here, and then we're going to talk about your, your system, and then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, wrap it up. But there's just so many, there was so many buzz, uh, so much buzz in these, like, sentences, buzz, not even buzz words, but it's like buzz sentences, I had to say, because I know that there's a lot of people listening that are like, like me, on the fence, they love it, they're having a hard time with it, and I want, they them lost to, it. I want them to hear this, because these are things that might take them into that 
place of like, okay, consciously, I just need to do something about this. So here's, here's some of these uh, sentences. Um, smokers aren't addicted to smoking. They are addicted to avoiding the emotional vomit. So you're, you're ultimately, you're not addicted to smoking. You're addicted to avoiding your emotions. Uh, exactly. So people, uh, yeah, I want people to understand that. You're not. Uh, I can explain that a little more. Oh yeah, please, please do. Okay. So basically each organ and each organ meridian relates to a specific emotion. So the lungs specifically correlate with depression, grief, sadness. So what happens is even if you're not suppressing grief, sadness, depression, the first time you smoke by placking up the lungs and creating an imbalance in the lungs, you're literally giving yourself depression and you're adding to the depression with every puff. So, and that, that is plaque on the lungs, plaque on the lungs is depression, plaque on the liver is stored anger, um, plaque on the bladder and kidneys is stored anxiety or impatience. So, I mean, each organ has its own thing. And this is from traditional Chinese medicine. You can look this up. Um, oh, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I have a whole book on how marijuana is uh, a very, it's like a minor, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the pantheon of Chinese medicine and herbs, it's like a very minor herb. It's with not much use, you know, and it's, yeah. uh, it's a fire a herb or something. I can't remember, but it's like in ancient Chinese medicine, they were like, this isn't a big deal. You know, this isn't a cure-all. Like we think yeah. that's what I want people to understand because it's like this it's whole just the marketing people just know marketing. They don't yes. know. Yeah. And marketing, marketing and, and information are two completely different things. People mistake marketing for information all the time. Same thing with protein powders. And like, if you're getting information about the nest, the necessity for protein from somebody who's selling protein, like how the fuck are you going to believe them? Right. <laughs> right. Right. I just don't understand that. But Here's another one. If you're smoking because you're bored, that's anxiety. You should be able to do nothing without being bored. That one again spoke to me. I'm not too, uh, I don't think I'm too anxious sometimes, but you know, I think about your, you know, I sit in this float center sometimes and there's two or three hours, sometimes nobody here or they're floating for that long. So I have that much time to basically meditate, do nothing, smoke weed, whatever I want. And you, I always have this saying, if you've got ticks, if you've got, if you can't sit still in a chair, You've got work to do. You should be able to sit completely still without any ticks, without any uh, mental movement, any kind of physical movement. You know, that was my theory. And I read this and I'm like, you know what? He's right. If I was chill, if my mind was empty, if I was calm, I could just sit at that float center for hours on end and just bliss out, just be relaxed and have no need to shift my mind. But maybe there is. I, 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 that's one thing I, you know, out of your content really spoke to me. Uh, th th this whole podcast is about mirrors of reflection and that I'm finding on Instagram and how these people, you specifically in this case, uh, really put out content that is relating to me in this moment. And because we're all one, especially the people that are electromagnetically attracted to this podcast, they'll hear this information. And because they're reflections of us, because we're all one, uh, and we're not always on the same plane of that oneness. I think sometimes you know, like I said, sometimes people just need a little bit of information to help click their consciousness over to like, oh, wait a minute, I don't need to do this anymore. Versus, you know, I'm, un I'm, un I'm uneducated and I'm sold. Oh, this is the cure-all. This, this cures cancer. Uh, this is going to help you solve all your problems. And if not, you just forget about them. So I'm just trying to work against all the advertising I've been sold. And, and help other people know that, you know, this is a medicine, this has its uses. Let me ask you this, because I know a lot of people get upset by your content. Do you think marijuana has utility for, because it's here on the earth, God, if you believe that, put it here. 
Now you could say there's other things on this planet that are poisonous you shouldn't even touch. It kill you. So do you think marijuana, cannabis has any utility? I don't see any valuable use for it whatsoever, to be honest. Like not a single use would I use it for. Like especially marijuana today, it's not the marijuana that God or whoever put it, put here. Man put it here. People manipulated it and hybridized it and fucked with it to make it what it is today. It's basically like mutated genetic garbage at this point. Right. That's your, your GMO breaths, right? Is that what you're... Yeah, I mean, cooking GMO breaths. I mean, you could say that it's a GMO food and you're eating it with your lungs and you're cooking it. You're burning it. So it's right. just like all fucked up. You're not supposed to eat GMO food. You're not supposed to cook food and you're not supposed to eat food with your lungs. <laughs> so totally. it's, it's all fucked up. Another one, another thing I found triggering, now not, not me personally, but I know this word, this one specific word will just trigger the hell out of everybody. It's rape, it, isn't it? Yep, raping you into <laughs> the, you're raping your parasympathetic nervous system. That's what you, you talk about, uh, marijuana use, is that you're basically raping yourself, raping your lungs. Yeah, so I can elaborate on that a little bit. Rape is force. When, you've, when you rape a woman, you're forcing the sexual act upon her non-consensually. You're forcing a child into existence. Just like if we were to rape the land like we do when we make weed, we, we force the plants into existence. It's, it's a rape. It, you're forcing the earth to produce something it shouldn't produce. Like when you rape a woman, you're forcing the woman to produce a child that she wouldn't otherwise produce. Now, it's not according to her will. It's just like it's not according to the, to the will of the earth to you know, cultivate everything that we mass produce. So when you do that to your brain, you're doing the same thing because your nervous system didn't consent to the fucking chemical purge. <laughs> you're depleting your storages of melatonin unnaturally. As soon as you take a puff of, of marijuana, you are, or even like eating it, edibles is the same. It's going to dehydrate any organ that you try to process it with, but you're forcing a release of melatonin. So you're forcing yourself into the parasympathetic nervous system chemically. And just like I said, with the uh, the software not aligning with the hardware. It's like the breath pattern is supposed to align with the melatonin release, not just a chemical forcing you to release melatonin. It's completely unnatural and it's almost like forced tiredness. And a lot of times people smoke just because they want to get tired to go to sleep or they want to, you know, get hungry. And anything that makes you hungry is starving you. If you're hungry all the time, you're starving to death. You, the less you eat, the less you smoke, the less hungry you are. And the more you eat, the more you smoke, the more hungry you are. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a, it's a vicious, away. It's a vicious cycle, uh, by the way. You talk about this in, in, your, in your weed video. It's like you smoke weed, you eat the food, you jerk off, you pass out, you do it again. It's just unconsciousness begetting more unconsciousness. Right. It's and it, straight up unconscious existence. That's the, 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 I'll tell you, if you've never smoked weed and jerked off, don't do it. <laughs> if you've never Literally. smoked, if you've never smoked weed and had sex, don't do it. Don't, don't mix those two. They're very hard to undo when you realize how good they feel for a few seconds. Don't mm -hmm. do it. They're, they're very hard to undo. And a thing that people miss is that like, they're, they're so satisfied by that. Like they experience that and they don't think anything could possibly be better than that. Like when you ejaculate, you're only orgasming with your dick. <laughs> you can orgasm with your whole body and it feels so much better. It's like so much more satiating and you don't want to curl up in a ball and say, don't fucking touch me and suck on your thumb for eight hours after it's, it's better, yeah. but it requires this crazy thing that society wants to avoid self-control and discipline. <laughs> People think of discipline as restriction and it's not. Discipline and restriction are two completely different things. People ask me 
why I'm so restrictive with my diet. And honestly, I think most people are restrictive with what they do because what you eat prevents you from being able to backflip on the ground, prevents you from being able to travel into the astral realm, prevents you from going into the, to the ethereal playground, prevents you from knowing who the fuck you are. You're restricting yourself from most of what the human experience is supposed to be because you can't fucking stop eating cheeseburgers. Like, you know, because you can't stop smoking a plant. Yeah, no, that's the, that's like, I know, here's the thing. I just know what you're saying is true. I've, been there i know these realms exist i've had so many people i i I was i was on the beach one time saying oh dmt is so fucking great 15 minutes and you're there and back uh no effort whatsoever if you're lucky you know sometimes you don't get there but uh and then i had a guy come off the beach a white guy in a turban right so a fucking seek a white guy in a turban he's like and this guy just basically came out of nowhere it was like a fucking movie he's like dude He's like, if you learn how to breathe right, you will have a DMT trip the rest of your life. You'll never use drugs again. And I'm like, oh, come on, Babu, white Babu. I don't, I don't, I laughed, you know, but this is a couple of years ago. Last thing I need is some white guy uh, in dreads or a white guy in a turban telling me how it's going to be. But no, that was my ego. And he was, you know, I, the more I go into the psychedelic realms, the more it's like, okay, there's not much more to see here. Uh, it's costing you a lot. Uh, it's costing you a lot of energy to go to, to take the hike up the mountain. Get because the wisdom is not free when you take a psychedelic. There is an energetic exchange that a lot of uh-huh. a lot of people don't understand, especially with I mean, that gives takes. There you go, and that's what it's I like about. about that's what I like a lot about you and and uh, was it uh, Taylor, uh, Tao? They just the simplest things with the most profound truths. If you're there. You know, and sometimes you're presented with the truth and you don't act on it. Like, that's me. I'm presented with the truth all the time, but it's like either I'm karmically, if you believe that, not, not able to do it just yet. Like, okay, let me ask you this. Do you actually believe in free will? That's an interesting one. That's an interesting question. I do and I don't because either way, like, yeah, you do, but everything is according to the divine plan. Like, it's you determine how it happens. So basically, like, no matter what, the balance always restores itself, but you decide whether it's by your own volition or whether the universe is going to force it. You know what I mean? So like, right. you take that's not meant for you and you attach yourself to it and you hold on to it. You can choose to let it go or you can let the universe traumatize you and take it back on its own. So you can choose whether that energetic balance is restored by your own volition or not. Well, see, so I, I, dude, I totally, and see, I'm not trying to say that this was what happened to you, but I, the reason I asked about your accident was like, sometimes like maybe you were whole, you know, I'm not saying this is what happened with you, but I know it's been the case with me where I've held on to something unconsciously, didn't even know I was holding on to it to a degree. And then X, Y, or Z event happened. Person left me, lost my job, car crash, whatever. And uh, I realized, oh, okay, there's the realization. There's the ego, there's the ego death. There's the suffering. There's the, you know, like, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but you know what I mean? Like, do you think the same thing happened with you back then? Like you were holding on to something and but for you, you know, snapping your neck a little bit there. I mean, I sometimes have this theory that head injuries are not always a bad thing. That sometimes when the universe is knocking you around, it's actually knocking you back into alignment. Yeah, it's, it's releasing what's not there. I mean, th- there's this concept of uh, paida, which is the slapping in traditional Chinese medicine, where you slap the fuck out of yourself to get toxins to, per- to float up to the surface of the skin and, and release. And it works. And it's kind of similar to that. Like sometimes trauma helps you release and that's what trauma is for. It's, it's a release. 
it's the universe is basically traumatizing you for to make you give back energy that you were supposed to give in the first place. So honestly, I think the, the break in my neck for me, it wasn't necessarily the injury itself, but it was more the result of the injury, like the detachment from my friends. And that's, the yeah, that's what I mean. Like slowing you down, like the lifestyle. It yeah. slowed me down. Yeah. It was like, it forced me to slow down because I fucking needed to slow down or I would have fucking killed myself. It's like, you know, I think about Ram Dass having this stroke and he, and, he, and him talking about how, you know, like he, he in a way kind of needed that, like the, it was the grace of the guru that uh, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing that we perceive sometimes, oh, this unfortunate thing happened to this fellow. But no, actually, you're not living inside their body and their mind. You don't know where they're actually at. And actually, this is for their benefit. So. Yeah. Um, everything you, is for the benefit in my opinion I, I, I totally I, just like the Tao is perfect at all times uh, yeah, out, absent of, forward just appears backwards but it's still the path forward <laughs> exactly okay so now that we are all plaqued up with emotional storage and here's another thing your plaque formations you say are a nesting ground for parasites and I totally believe that I totally believe that because I've been d dealing with a candida infection over the past year and uh, it was a very unconscious thing that finally just threw you know, searching in the float tank. And, and uh, one thing that happens in the float tank uh, is you get a very strong body intuition. It, it develops almost out of nowhere. Um, and I don't even know what the mechanism there, but okay. So we've got all these things wrong with us. How, what is the Caputo method of holistic ease? How do we get, what's the steps? How do we get out of this mess? Cause that's what people are. That's what people are asking. Okay. We're, we're, we're stuck like Chuck. We are, we are mired heavily deep down in the unconscious muck of reality that we have accumulated over 20, 30 years of unconscious living. Nick, what are we going to do about it? So the Caputo method is a framework for guidance that I created. And it's still in the process. It's all in my dome. It's just a matter of getting it on paper and getting it out into the created content to be delivered. So for now, I'm only offering one-on-one -on -one for those who are trying to reverse serious diseases. But I can go over the basics. So there's nine pillars to the Caputo method of holistic ease. Now, I refer to it as holistic ease with a W. Not, not So it's like the whole instead of like having holes in it. <laughs> right. That's why I, I don't like the word holistic when it's spelled with an H like that, because it's implied that their logic has holes in it because it does. So I use a W because we look at the body and we look at the holistic human experience. So the Caputo method of holistic ease is designed to give you ease in your entire, your whole human experience in every facet of your being absolute, utter, complete ease. Now there's nine pillars that, in my professional experience need to be aligned with in order to experience holistic ease. And those nine are one respiration. That's the breath work. Number two is rehydration. Number three is detoxification. Number four is food density reduction. Number five is movement and stillness. Number six is avoid and poison. Number seven is uh, sexual energy refinement. Number eight is reflexology and number nine is psychology or cycle alignment. So I guess I could go into each one a little bit. So the breath work is the number one most important thing unless, you know, it, it, the breath is the source of everything. So in order for you to be fully aligned in anything, you got to start with your breathing. And if you're trying to quit smoking, the number one thing you should do is start 
learning breathwork. And it'll be difficult, but push through and it's, it's worth it. And the more that you do the breathwork, the less you'll want to smoke. The more that you commit to the, to the breathwork practice, you're going to smoke and you're going to notice that your breathwork gets more difficult and that when you don't smoke, the breathwork is easier and more enjoyable. And then once you have your first couple experiences with breathwork where you really, really, really fucking enjoy yourself and you feel the smoking taking that away from you, the ability to experience that at any point away from you, same with the food, you're not going to want it anymore. And that's how it was for me. I just got so deep into the breathwork where I was really fucking enjoying my sessions. And then every time I would smoke just because somebody wanted to smoke with me, I would like go home and try to do it and be like, yo, my fucking lungs hurt. Like I can't hold as long. Like this shit sucks. I'm not, I'm, I'm just off it. Like I just came to the decision and I was just like, I'm done. So number one is the breath work. The breath work will take you where you want to go and, and lead you through the other. So wait, wait, just, just, so when you, when it was time to quit, it was not like, like me, like pulling teeth here. It was just like, boom, you're done. That's it. Cold Turkey. It, it was just me not wanting to do it. Like it right. was literally, like, I was just like, I don't want this anymore. This isn't meant for me anymore. It served its purpose. I'm grateful for every fucking puff I've ever taken because they taught, it taught me everything I needed to learn to get to this point to realize that I don't need it. Same with the psychedelics. Like every time I did psychedelics, they brought me closer to my getting off them. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, totally, they, I totally agree. Totally. Anything teaches you what you need to learn and you, you move on from it. You get off it. And attaching to a fucking plant or attaching to a psychedelic drug is just trauma it's your trauma bonded to it um but anyway when it comes to the breath work it will bring you to an alignment like you'll feel so good on a during a breath session that like you'll now be aware of your breathing pattern to a degree that when you smoke you feel it shallowing shallowing your breath and putting you in fucking fight or flight and you'll feel it like after i quit i smoked a couple times like i've smoked maybe like four or five times in the last like two years and like every time I smoke just to like, you know, I take like one puff, just like I'm around people, like whatever, um, just to be like, oh, I haven't done this in six months. Let me take one rip and see, see what happens. Every single time I'm like, why the fuck did I do this? <laughs> every single time. I'm like, <laughs> I literally don't feel good. This is like, I'm literally panicking. I need to go home. You know, <laughs> that, that, it's interesting that you say that because as a, as a chronic user, I'm in the forest. And I can't see the forest through the trees, as they would say, but it's like anything. Sugar is a good example. I stopped doing sugar for one for a long time. And then I took some sugar and I'm like, holy shit, this is so sweet. This is driving me up the wall. But uh -huh. you're, you're so in the forest, you, 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 you can't. So exactly like I have a friend who is just like you in a lot of ways. And he came by and he, you know, I'm smoking a whole joint. And I feel almost nothing. He takes one hit and he is like almost tripping. You want to like, know why that is? Actually, I could, I could give you some detail on that. Sure. So the same thing goes for eating. When you have plaque on an organ, your body accumulates that plaque also to protect you from the poisoning. So like if you smoke every day, you got a layer of plaque that's pretty thick. Yeah. It protects you. So like your lungs aren't absorbing as much from each puff because it's just sitting in the plaque. It's not actually getting into your capillaries and going into your blood. Now this is also a fucking really bad thing because that's how you're interpreting your breath nourishment. You're not getting as much nourishment from the breath because the plaque is blocking it, but it's also protecting you from the poison. Now, when you finally degunk yourself and you get all that shit off your lungs and you're clean, now one rip, every fucking speck of that rip is going into your blood because uh -huh. your lungs are clean. So you get fucking ripped of nothing. But like somebody who's gunked up, can, t can smoke five blunts to their face and be like, I'm not even fucking high because none of it actually went into your blood. You're just sitting and you just added to your plaque. Okay. So like somebody like Willie, Willie Nelson or Snoop Dogg, as much as I think I smoke, I'm like, 
these people smoke more somehow, and I guess that's what it is. They might, they're not spiritually, here's, here's what I think. They're not spiritually, not, I'm not judging myself versus them, but I'm saying I've done a lot of work and I've encountered a lot of things and I feel like I'm relatively in the air, uh, so to speak. And I, you know, Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson, they're famous, but I think they are, you know, more worldly. And uh, the high, the more high vibing you are, this is just a theory I have, the more the, these things affect you, You're the more sensitive you are to them. So, so, somebody, so, so the more I vibe higher, the more I reach towards the goal and go back to God or however you want to talk about that, the more I ascend, the less, uh, the more sensitive I get to these things, acid in particular. And so I look at somebody like, you know, how is Snoop Dogg able to do 20 blunts a day? And I'm only able to do 10 joints. And I'm, I feel like I'm dying at the end of the day. Like I'm dead. My, my whole body is just shot and shocked to death. Uh, and that may, that may be it. Like they're just so gunked out that nothing's, nothing's getting through. Exactly. Literally. And they got to smoke 10 blunts to get high. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. They're just so much black. If they took a break and they did like six months of fasting and breath work and juice, they would go back to smoking weed and not like it and stop. Like they wouldn't want to go back. Like every time I've ever thought about going back and, and took one rip, like I get the same feeling that I used to think I liked. And it's like, you're comfortably uncomfortable. It's like, you're so tired that you don't realize that low key, your body's fucking panicking inside. Yeah. And when you're sensitive and you're clean, you feel like you, you feel the same thing you used to feel, but you're more aware and you have that contrasting experience of what it actually feels like to be, to be healthy and actually feel good. So like when you can take full breaths and with clean lungs, it feels so good. And as soon as weed takes that away from you, you're like, why in the fucking world would I ever do this? But when you first get into weed, you don't know because like you're young and nobody tells you about this shit, but then you're like fucking years down the line and you're just a chronic smoker and you, you don't even remember what it's like to take a real breath until you do. And then once you get that contrast, that feeling of what it's like to fucking be clean, you never, ever want to go back to smoking ever again. Yeah. I'll tell you after I did the three months, a couple years ago, and I fell back first i was like wow this high is so tremendously wonderful and good and then i'm like no 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 i just completely fucked up the slippery slope doing yeah that. and then and then you yeah and then you're like the next day you wake up and you're in a fog and you don't remember because like i smoke every day i'm not in a fog but i actually am in a fog but i'm just so deep in the fog i don't even realize i'm in a fog yep, exactly so same that, with the food same with the food well, yeah, that's the thing, man. Food's just a, a legal drug. And I, I'm not going to get into food because, you know, we've talked about it. Basically, this is, this is the summation. And we're going to go back to the pillars. But we're all full of plaque because we're eating dehydrating things endlessly. And we're not – we're wasting our energy uh, pissing and coming all over the place. <laughs> and if we just recirculate and don't waste our fluids, eat right, and breathe uh, – no. The main thing, yeah, that's their spirit, inspired, to be inspired. So anyway, I'm going to go back to the pillars. We're, on, we're still on the breath pillar. I think we're moving on to pillar two, though, aren't we? Okay, yeah. So, so pillar two and three kind of go hand in hand. So rehydration and detoxification. So you kind of do them at the same time. Um, but the reason why they're two different pillars is because there's different books and different courses for each one that relates to specific topics. Like I'm going to have one book specifically called How to Hydrate. And then the detoxification pillar is going to have a course called How to Fast which is actually in the process of being made right now. Um, so basically the fasting and the rehydration go in hand in hand, but they're two separate pillars because they're two separate things. So detoxification refers to getting the other shit out. And that's really what healing is. That's what medicine is. Anything that's true medicine gets stuff out of your body. The herbs push on, push on the tissue, the tissue release, 
they push back and release the mucus and the and the poison and there's a purging there's an exchange so the herbs are medicine in the sense that they get stuff out of the organs out let, me of the ask, let me ask you this have you ever done combo i have not i've heard about it but never done it personally what do you think about that uh from what you know about it um i wouldn't consider it necessary but i wouldn't consider it bad um i wouldn't say that it's something that you should do on the regular any psychedelics i wouldn't say that you should do them on the regular because they desensitize you over time but I mean, with combo, it's something that. Well, yeah, like, this isn't. Yeah, this isn't really. Like a I would, I would probably do it. I would probably do it to experience. Yeah, that's it. what I'm saying. This is like something that's going to completely. I mean, they, the, the story. Okay, so for the people that are listening, that don't know what combo is. It is a toad excretion poison that they uh, basically put into your arm via a hot poker, and you, you're supposed to drink a couple liters of water before this. You know, like a month before, actually, if you're really doing it the right way. And then you purge uh, a tremendous amount of stuff out of your stomach and to the point of like parasites and stuff will come out, people say. Mm-hmm. So people who are extremely sick, it's uh, I forget what they call those kind of medicines, like not uh, duress, but it's, a, it's a, not a classic psychedelic. There's no tripping. It's all um, it's ordeal medicine, I think is what they call it. Medicines, an ordeal medicine where you're like, you're, you're purging basically. Yeah, I, I tend to avoid the psychedelics that are purging ones. Um, I'm not a fan of purging. It's as simple as that. Um, but also I pray to the mushrooms every time. I'm like, God, I've done as much as I can. Uh, I know I could obviously do more work in terms of like your level of fasting and and cleanliness, but I'm like, please God, I don't want to puke today. I just want to have a good trip. And usually, (laughs) you know, so anyway, back to the second and third pillars. Actually, I I do want to add one more thing about combo and and stuff like that, like the reason why I've never done it. But I would be open to trying it specifically. Like I'll try anything once for the most part except eating animals. But um, basically, I just don't think they're necessary and I don't recommend things like that because they're not gentle. They're very harsh. And the way that I see the detoxification process and the way that the the body should go about healing or ease restoration is gentle to be gentle with the body and, and take your time with the process to purge things over time. And it's not, it's, it's kind of unnatural to force the body to release so many things like so hard. Yeah. Now, some people are ready to handle it and some people aren't. And that's like where discretion comes in where it's like, I'm not going to tell somebody to do it because I'm not you. I don't know if you're ready for this. I can't tell you if you're ready. Only, you know, <laughs> you know, for me, like, Honestly, I don't really like that shit. I don't really like the harsh shit. I mean, I've smoked DMT before and that was like super fucking scary and intense. And it's kind of like Wim Hof method breathwork where you trip on the DMT like that. It's kind of like a depletion of your storages more than it is a a holistic use of them. So like when it comes to tripping on the tumor breathing or like the slow parasympathetic breathing, it's just such a better release. The emotions come up like at their own pace. The memories come at their own pace and things come out at their own pace as you fast. You know, it might take you a week. It might take you two, three weeks to get some parasites out, but it's such a more gentle process. It's not so fucking harsh, Yeah. you know? And I don't think that anything should be forced. Force is rape. It's forcing, it's raping you into healing. No, totally. I, uh, that's one thing about the combo. I've, I personally haven't done it myself either because it is a very intense, uh, like I said, it's an ordeal medicine is what they call it. Hmm. Uh, so where are we at on the pillars now? Let's see. Pillar so we got through basically level uh, pillar one, which is breath work. Two is rehydration. Three is detoxification. So that's pretty much that. There's, I, there's a fucking lot I could say about both of those. Um, but I mean, 
we covered enough for, to go over the basics of each one. So now number four is food density reduction. So there's nine different levels of food density reduction from level one being completely raw. So that's like, I would never recommend anything that's not raw. Like if it's cooked food, like that's it. Um, that it's like, it's not it. <laughs> I mean, like I will never recommend anything cooked because it's just all chemical poison heroin. So, um, well, let me tell you this. Let me, let me say this. I don't know if you'll agree with this. I saw one time and I don't, obviously this is metaphysical stuff. There's no real science behind it, but, um, I saw a chart that said like food vibrations and it was like the scale of high to low. And like the worst thing you could eat was cooked food that you had put in the refrigerator overnight and then reheated. That was at the very bottom of the scale, dead animal flesh that had been frozen and then reheated. At the very tip top was something right off a tree. Like you pick an apple off a tree, you pull something out of the ground. You know what I mean? Like that's the highest vibing thing you can get is something right off a tree. Uh, Electricity. Alive. Exactly. It's alive and it's got the electricity in it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to eat anything not attached to carbon. So that's why I'm, I'm anti-Kong and water or like drinking water in the first place. There's no carbon attached to plain water. You oh, so wait. It. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good question, actually. And I didn't think about it. You're, you're being hydrated. What are you drinking? What, what's the water that you drink? That's what I want to know. Coconut water. That, okay. So that's it. And do you have a specific brand? Uh, Earth. Okay. That's what I'm <laughs> nah, that- nah, t- saying. <laughs> when I'm in the DR, I get coconuts. There's a dude who like is like right down the street from my apartment and he... Uh, he brings me like I have two glass gallon jugs and we swap every day. So I give him the empty Damn, one. Damn, you really live in the life. Yeah. Yeah. He only cost me like 350 pesos, which is like five bucks for a gallon every day. Fresh coconut water that he cuts himself and brings right to my door. Um, Damn. Yeah. For five bucks. Can't beat it, bro. It's fucking so great. But um, in Jersey, the, the only the only brand like if you're in the United States or like whatever, the only brand that I would recommend drinking coconut water from is Harmless Harvest Coconut Water. Oh, that, that's what I was hoping you were going to say. I, that's the, the brand I drink is a little bit pricey, but it does have the best flavor. Yeah, it's yeah. And I mean, it's not just the best flavor. I, I think it's the best quality. Well, that's that's good. Uh, I've been uh, I, I follow this guy I wouldn't say that it's the best quality. Like it's the best quality out of bottled coconut water. If you can get like those dehusked coconuts, like those, those young coconut, like that come, like they're like white on the outside. Cause they took the husk off. Those are better than harmless harvest, but harmless harvest is better than anything else bottled because at least it's not cooked. Okay. So yeah. So pink is the decaying process. Right. If you open one of those, one of those dehusked coconuts and it's pink, it tastes like shit because it's actually fucking um, decaying oxygen so yeah it's it's part of the decaying process it turns pink because it's decaying they say on harmless harvest advertising that it's like antioxidants or whatever that's absolute bullshit it's straight up decaying um <laughs> <laughs> but it's still better because it's raw it's not dead it's just dying you know eventually the coconut water will turn brown and then eventually black so literally everything at the grocery store is crap every fucking thing at the grocery store is crap Yes. No, 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 not even whole foods and not even the, you know, even the, I'm like, here's a question that's going to come up in my, my little question session, but I'm just going to say it now. People are like, Oh, okay. Don't smoke weed. Well, what about edibles? Well, I saw you said all food is fragmented food. It is heavily genetically modified. So even your marijuana edibles, the edible, the, the food part is, you know, GMO fragmented in the weed. Is. The weed itself is fragmented food. And in addition to that, like you got to mix it with fat. So you're, I don't recommend eating fats either. (laughs) Um, 
And right. most people like combine fat and sugar, which is just eating alcohol. So why would you want to like, you know, you're, you're getting crossfaded doing an edible. That's why you feel like you can't feel your fucking legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're, you're eating alcohol with the weed because you're eating refined sugar. Cause most of the time they, you know, you make edibles as like a brownie or a yeah. cookie something gummy. that's fucking sugary a gummy yeah it's sugary and it's in a fatty oil so you're combining fat and sugar so you're slowing down the processing of the sugar and it's refined sugar so it's the slow processing anyway you're literally just eating straight ethanol with thc it's fucking trash and it's going to dehydrate your entire gi tract and that's why you feel like shit after you eat edibles oh well no can't eat and everything is genetically modified unfortunately there's nothing i would ever eat that's not fruit <laughs> right Unless it's like Unless it's nuts, like nut milks, you know, like you could take a nut, like you could take like. Well, well, here's the problem with nuts, though. With your 70% thing, I I said, you know, I can't do nuts anymore. And I also said, I said, I might be sensitive to lectins because I'm trying to figure out my stomach issues. And I'm like, okay. Well, that's the thing, dude, is like you want to combine them with water. So like that's, that's what makes the nuts okay. If you're sticking with that 70% water thing, you're basically like you're combining nuts and water in a Vitamix and you're blending it until it's smooth and then you're straining out the hard dry parts of the nuts and it's just like a creamy like liquid. Got it. That's yeah. straight. So if you do it like that, that's cool. Or you could do like a nut spread where you mix like, let's say like cashews, cilantro, dill, lemon juice. And you, you blend that in the Vitamix until it's like a creamy like kind of dip. And then you can dip something like super watery, like cucumber, that's like 99% water and dip that in the dryer spread. And it's kind of like going to even out almost. And then you can maybe like drink your pee after that meal. And then, you know, the pee will help hydrate the food, something like that. And I mean, take it step by step. You know what I mean? You don't have to really worry about it that much. Go through the process step by step. So if you're still eating cooked foods, your next step would just be to go raw and try right. to stay as hydrating as possible. That's what I like about your method. Yeah. More liquid. Like take it step by step. There's nine levels of food density reduction. Right. So that's the thing. Like a lot of times I will be inspired by somebody like you and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to jump right to the end. Let's start drinking the piss. Let's start uh, eating nothing. Let's only eat uh, oranges today. And then that won't work because that's not my lifestyle. It's too extreme. It's not my pattern or habit and I can't I can't sustain it and so I think you're absolutely right the gentle way is the only way really I think for me to be successful because as much as as much as I like to jump right to the end and say okay this is the way I'm not ready my piss isn't clear enough and clean enough I'm not mentally there and uh emotionally even and like that's true too yeah your body's not ready you got to give your body time to adjust the body is a fucking magnificent machine but it's not like it, it needs to be fucking done. It needs to be given the opportunity to do what it needs to do. And it, it can't be instant. We're conditioned in society to have so much like instant gratification where we're like, all right, I want to be a breatharian. I'm going to stop eating today. And then you fucking starve to death. Right. Yeah. And it's, totally. that's not how it goes. You have to learn how to cultivate energy. You have to teach your, you have to clean your body out so your body can sustain it. You got to get all the dry shit out. Like the reason why people starve to death is not because they stop eating. It's because of what they ate before they stopped eating. And it before, until you do that, you have to rehydrate. Anybody can go liquid though. Like you could do fruit for a week and go liquid. The only people who I wouldn't say to do that right away are people that are like seriously, seriously morbidly obese. I would say they need fruit for a period of time so that they can use the wet fiber to push shit out. And they need psyllium husk and bentonite clay and they need mad urine enemas maybe with some diatomaceous earth and shit. But like your average person can do a liquid fast. Like just about anybody can do 60 days on green juice. It's really all like having the discipline to just say I'm fucking doing it because I love myself enough to do it. 
You know, it's you know, it's interesting. All these things come together in my life at once. And I, I don't know if you've heard of this supplement called Zupu. I saw it on YouTube. I've been seeing it on YouTube, especially. No, never heard of it. It's something that's supposed to push out your. 15, five to 10, 15 pounds of poop you've had built up. And so I, you know, I mean, like, I'm just trying to explain my process to people where I have this, all these, all these things will come and synchronize together and be like, okay, dummy, you need to stop eating this dry food after you smoke weed because you're double downing, you're, du you're doubling down on your dryness. And now you realize you've got a, a colon and a intestines with a, a tunnel with a, a shit spiral, as you would say, like your, your, your intestines are like yeah. Yeah, the spiral staircase of your insides because they just keep this plaque keeps accumulating. Oh, I'm going to eat some crackers today and smoke some weed. Here comes another layer of plaque. And so, yeah, you get to the point where you got, you, you got no movement in there. You've got all your, your, your linings are filled with shit and uh, you're full. Like you are literally full of shit, but you you're are not. You're full of shit. <laughs> as much as you are uh people think you're full of shit online it's actually the opposite with you you're literally have no shit inside of you and honestly exactly. i think okay. about that and it's so like i want to be there because i hate waking up in the morning with the morning wood and having to take a million shits i i hate the process of having to deal with food i don't know about you i've never i've never liked food uh i mean you kind of said that too but i've never liked the social aspect of food i don't care about eating food i don't care about cooking food i don't give a shit about buying food waste of money it's a chore so if i could just eliminate food from my life you'd be free uh, it would be a lot it would be a lot of freedom financially time wise just everything you're not having to go to the toilet now exactly. how, do you, how do you reconcile no i mean I, I guess i already know the answer before i ask it but my problem with this kind of lifestyle is you know food is a social thing you know you obviously attract your tribe, right? Because you've got a girlfriend that well, you guys share your urine. But I guess in the beginning for a lot of people, it's hard because um, like for me, quitting weed, my, my whole circle is a bunch of weed smokers. And, you know, it's like I want to break away and do my thing, but I need some encouragement or I need, you know, I don't need the temptation. So a lot of times people that access this kind of material, these kind of materials, it's like I want to do it. But not only is their pattern so uh, strong from their lifestyle, but their circle of in their lifestyle doesn't support it. Um, yeah. like I'll how did, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So first of all, um, this breatharian journey is a journey to yourself. So anybody in your life, who's like kind of on the journey with you is kind of a distraction to be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, any, anybody that like, it, it's really like, eventually the point is to completely do it on your own. And like, even though like, me and Jules are both on this journey. Like we're both on our own separate journeys and we come together to talk about it or whatever. Um, and you know, I've built this community around my page and, and everything where like people come to me and you know, we share experiences, whatever the class, the group class where people, um, the breathwork bootcamp class where we have like 33 people come into the group and go through the breathwork and start UT and start sleeping on the floor and start doing all this stuff in the program. And it's good that they have that like basis. So I would say, like to do either like a program like breath or boot camp with me or just to like, you know, start posting about different things and seeing people kind of come into your, come into your life. And it kind of just happens on its own. But, but yeah. one thing that I will definitely say that is definitely true in my experience is that what is meant for you will not come to you until you give up what's not meant for you. So like, in, for me, it's like, I had to not cut off, but drift away from people who weren't aligning with what I was doing for myself. And then once I actually like cut them out of my life, people who were meant to be in my life came in. 
Yeah, no, I totally, that's a, you know, empty out your cup so you, the universe can refill yeah. it with you something. Gotta, you can't inhale until you exhale. <laughs> exactly. You gotta get empty so you can get full. And it's scary because, you know, you're risking being alone, but like you're never really alone. And the people that are meant to be in your life will find you once you make that decision and open yourself up to receive that experience. Well, that's the thing. And in, in my personal experience with the dark night of the soul, and this is what's going to happen, I feel like this is what happens to people. It's like their unconscious life entering into their conscious life is that dark night of the soul because for me it was like you learn through the dark night of the soul that you only go through the dark night of the soul because you've amassed the tools required to get through it and meaning that this is your test of mastery you, you will succeed you will not fall you will not fail the time has come otherwise the black uh, the dark night of the soul would not be here and so i feel like yeah when you're in the dark night of the soul it's like a cocoon you go in the caterpillar unconscious and you, then you turn into goo and then you come out like where you're at now i think you've already come out of the cocoon you're the butterfly in uh, on the in the islands you you know you're living you're living that manifested dream it looks like to me so how do you support yourself uh living this lifestyle now do you just do it with the online stuff and the consulting what, what, what do you do yeah so pretty much it's 100 percent online i could pretty much live wherever i want in the world i do a bunch of different shit so i saw the ebooks there's seven different eBooks right now out. Once the Caputo method of holistic ease is complete, there's going to be 12 online video pre-recorded video courses, 27 eBooks, and then the one-on-one -on -one program and the breathwork bootcamp. So right now, basically I'm just selling the eBooks that are done so far. So there's seven so far that are out. And then I do, uh, I'm actually releasing in a couple days, the ha the first video course for the breathwork. So level one out of, there's nine levels to the Caputo method of her, uh, respiration, just like the food density reduction. So there's level one coming out in the next couple of days, basically whenever my audio, my, my music guys is ready with the, the tracks because he got hit by a drunk driver and needed to take like a week or two to kind of heal and get ready and get back to work. So we're a little late on the deadline. It was supposed to come out on April 15th, but it's, uh, it's delayed because of that. But um, once that comes out, basically their audio experiences, so their audio guided breathwork sessions with my voice in the background and, and customized music from my producer and uh, video tutorials and, and its own ebook. And then in addition to that, after that comes out, either way, um, the How to Fast course should come out soon. So that'll be the second recorded course that comes out. But then I got the Breathwork Bootcamp, which is like the main thing that I'm doing right now uh, every three months. So every January, April, July and October. There's a nine day breathwork bootcamp program, which is a group program over zoom that I teach. So basically uh, we go into the breathwork. You learn a different breathwork every day. The group fasts together. Everybody comes up with the terms of their own fast. Uh, I encourage everyone to stretch and we, everybody decides like three things that they're going to stretch throughout the week, every day, multiple times a day. And then I encourage everybody to sleep on the floor, start drinking their pee and start doing enemas. And throughout that program, um, that's been like pretty so, much the greatest experience ever. So, for me. So, sounds like a lot of ego death without uh, any psychedelics to me. You're that, you know what I mean? Like, like they say doing yeah. jujitsu and stuff, like having your ass handed to you for the first time, that's an ego death, a form of it. Well, sure. you know, being, drinking your own piss and, 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 and enema, enema, doing enemas with it to yourself, <laughs> laying on the floor in a place you don't know with some kid telling you how it's going to be. Uh, that's quite an ego death, you know? And sure. uh yeah, the Breathwork Bootcamp is powerful for people. And I've had people in that class of all different ages, all different experiences, people who have been doing breathwork for years and people that teach yoga to like people like my dad, like 50-year-old dudes. 
um, that like have never even like thought about veganism or never even thought about changing their diet or whatever, like going into this fast, just saying like, I need to lose weight and being like, yo, like I really found out like so much about myself and life through these nine days. And it's like, it was so much more than fat, like losing weight. It was like losing weight was like a fucking just positive side effect of everything else that I got out of this. And yeah, it's, it's been interesting to see the contrast of different people, like young kids that are like 17, 18 years old that just want to learn and want to go hard into like the nolly and like rolling your abs with the breath work and doing like crazy, like that type of advanced stuff. And it's been kind of interesting to, to deal with all levels of people in that course. But yeah, so I do the breath, the breath work boot camp, And then, and I had a really good turnout this last in April. So the first turnout was in January and I had about eight people sign up. And that was the first one I ever did. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is a good turnout for a uh, first timer. But I'm telling you, the, the you, yeah. you're legit. I, I just know. I don't care what people think. Yeah, I don't do it. And then April, in April just now, uh, I had 75 people sign up. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, we'll, we'll just keep boosting your transmission here, my friend. Now, I want to go back to your pillars. We were on the food one. Let's, like, let's go to number five, if you want, the, the fifth pillar. Okay, yeah. So number five is movement and stillness. So there's two separate kind of aspects to this pillar. You got to learn how to move to learn how to be still. So the movement is a lot about yoga, uh, natural movement. I just did a live last night with uh, a kid that's shared some really interesting information about movement. Um, Stephen Bean about like fluid biomechanics and, and forward locomotion and stuff like that. So basically like aligning your body to, to move the way it's designed to move. And then the stillness is going to, the Caputo method of stillness is going to all be about how to sit how to sit properly for breath work, how to stay still um, and, and working on the asanas, which are the, the postures in yoga, which are basically designed just to get your body comfortable sitting in the same spot long enough to really de- reach deeper states of meditation. So to be able to sit in Lotus for hours and hours and hours so that you can go deeper and deeper and deeper into the breath work. Well, see, that was, my, that, that was my whole thing with the float tank for people that are, you know, like, I can't sit like that. I, for me yeah. personally, I, I'm not quite there yeah. myself. But the float tank allows somebody who may be disabled, extreme physical pain, to be able to get into a very deep meditative state. I would love to do that, bro. Like, I'm totally going to hit you up. April 30th, we're going to make it happen. We're going to try to at least. Yeah, let's do the 31st because his fight is the 30th. So we'll do the day after. Okay, whatever. We'll figure it out. April, so let's do May 1st. There is no 31st. Right, right. But yeah, um, yeah, that's some because I'm not there either. I can't sit in Lotus yet. I've been working on it hard, but I mean, really, yeah, man, you can you can move your stomach like that, but you can't do Lotus. Wow, that's, no, that's hard. I can't sit in Lotus. My hips are super. That's like my biggest weakness is my hip my hip mobility. Uh, I'm sitting in half Lotus now after about a year almost of stretching. So like I'm getting there, but I, it's a it's a long it's a marathon. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing of judgment. I look at somebody like you and I say, well, goddamn, he's just like floating around in Lotus position. But no, no, you're just human. Like, just like. Oh uh, yeah, I'm on my own journey too. I still got I got a lot of fucking work to do, dude. Yeah, it's, dude. I, I can. I realize do. that with everybody I talk to, I'm like, well, some people got me licked there, but I got them licked there. You know, we all, we have all a little bit to uh, give of the of the pieces of the puzzle. I think, and like I said, I just exactly. I just enjoy this stuff. I don't care if people like talking about it with people and, you know, me, like we cross paths and now like, I feel like I know you cause we just talked for two hours. Yeah. It's, well, that's I love talking thing. to people with, who are like-minded, even people like who I'm teaching usually have something to teach me too. And Oh, totally dude. I used to play guitar and I used to play with people and I, sometimes someone would show up and they'd never played too much. I'm like, Oh, this guy don't know anything. This month, this guy would show me something. I'm like, damn, this guy just started playing and he's showing me something. So you're absolutely right. The universe is everyone and it always has something to show you or say. Uh, I do believe that. So I'm always trying to listen. 
Yeah. I mean, the, the, be- the best part of communication is listening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's one thing floating will teach you. But anyway, let's get through these pillars because I got a, I got a few more questions and I know we got to wrap it up here. Okay, yeah, cool. Because I do have to do another live and I got a consultation at seven thirty. So yeah, basically number five is uh, the movement and stillness. Number six is avoiding poison. So I wrote a book called Poisoned is the Standard um, a while ago, which is not available right now because I'm redoing it and adding to it. But basically, it's the concept of avoiding all the toxic products. Get rid of your deodorant, throw out your shampoo, stop using soap, stop using air fresheners and Febreze and lighting candles and burning incense and using toxic skin lotions and sunscreens and wearing sunglasses and all this other shit. Um, you Dude, know, I got I to say something. I was, detergents. I, so, yeah, oh, go see, oh, I got goosebumps when you said that. Okay, so that's what I was going to say. Last night, it was 419. It was the bicycle day. I took a little bit of the old LSD, went for a walk. <laughs> And I've been really also picking up this information that, yeah, these uh, detergents are extremely toxic. And I was walking through the neighborhood and everybody, this is about seven, eight o'clock at night, people were doing their laundry and almost every house I went past, it was almost, I could, I could barely breathe. I'm like, this is so bad. I was so conscious to it, you know? And so now I won't, uh, you're totally right with the detergents, man. There's so many poisons in the detergents. They're not even, they don't even put what's on in the product on Uh the bottle. It's all fuckery, yo. It's straight poisonous lab chemicals. Same thing with Lysol and Febreze and like any kind of like anything, bro. Anything that makeup, like literally face paint, like waste from the mining industry. It's literally all just waste. It's all just like literally toxic fucking chemicals that's meant to poison you. So avoiding poison is a big one. Tap water, shit. Tap water is probably the worst out of all of them. Um, all the, the atrazine and the chlorine and the fluoride and all the other shit. Yeah, like all the pharmaceuticals, yeah. Well, it's all, yeah, there's fucking antidepressant medication in the tap water. Yeah, in the water, you're bathing in a bunch of a bunch of just toxic soup. Yeah, straight up. So I haven't showered in almost a year now. It's been like since like last August. I do you, do, so no BO, huh, with your lifestyle? Nah, BO is a result of internal uh, – dirtiness you know if you smell like shit it's because you eat like shit oh you i'll tell you you're absolutely right uh uh, from personal experience i can tell you that um but anyway let's keep going here i want to i know we got to get going yeah so the next pillar after avoiding poison is i'm trying to think of them in order i mean we could just say uh sexual oh sexual energy refinement semen retention yeah Uh, tantra so there's going to be two it's the sexual energy refinement is also like sexual energy is creative energy. So like there's probably, I'm probably going to release something about like, you know, tapping into creative outlets and the difference between being a creator versus being a consumer. And if you're not a creator, you're going to be a consumer. You know, if you're not a creator, you can only be a taker. So that part. And then also um, this, the actual like Tai Chi and Qigong and like energy cultivation practices would fall into that category. And then also procreation and Tantra. So Tantra is obviously non-ejaculatory sex, uh, sexual energy refinement in that sense. And then procreation, I'm going to do a full course on everything that women should do getting pregnant, like that couples should do when having a kid. So like, for example, like the man and the woman should both, you know, the man should be tantric, like holding seed for at least 90 days. Realistically, I really think a year before even thinking about impregnating a woman and the man is supposed to, you know, know what ancestry is bringing back from his dreams and they, wow. should, both, they yeah. should both they should both fast 
at least 90 days before even doing it. Like you shouldn't have to try to get pregnant. Like you should, it's a one, one time and go like a whole conscious experience. You know, it's happening. Um, you know, cause that would be kind of crazy to save your seat up for a year and, and have sex. And then, you know, nothing happened. It didn't take. Yeah, exactly. It will definitely absolutely take you're shooting out straight athletes at that point. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So like what women should eat, like how you can sustain breatharianism through the pregnancy, like urine therapy, what to do with breastfeeding, like women who have implants and can't breastfeed should give their kids their urine instead of, cause they can't give them breast milk. They shouldn't give formula, things like that. What to feed your kid, how long to breastfeed, all that shit. That's all going to be in a course. So that's part of the sexual energy refinement um, pillar. And then we have uh, reflexology. So studying how the body is a reflection of the rest of the body, all the meridians and how the energy flows through the body and what points are where self massage, the art of self massage and to like basically identify problems. Where do you get pimples? Where do you have pain? What is that connected to muscles and joints that connect to different organs and just understanding the body from a holistic perspective, understanding how it's all connected. That's definitely important to know so that you can solve problems when something occurs. You know exactly what's wrong, exactly where it's wrong, and exactly how to fix it. And this is stuff that doctors like don't get because they have these big fucking fancy expensive harmful machines that test people when you can literally just listen to your body and know exactly where the problem is. Well, your body the, is designed to diagnose itself. That's the thing. I, you know, I have this saying, most doctors are fortune tellers with degrees. The only doctors I really... Uh, respect are surgeons. Okay, surgeons actually getting in there and doing something, you know, with their hands, they're putting something together, they're stitching. I can respect that. But a lot of these doctors, they're just saying, oh, well, you know, 500 years of science says it's this, and maybe it's this because I think it's that. And you say it's this, yeah. but you have no idea what your body's really doing because you're not in touch with it at all. Exactly. And, and so it's like fortune telling. And then what happens is, because you create reality, because now you've been programmed by the fortune teller, you go out and say, well, I do have cancer. And I'm going to self-perpetuate through fear, pain, and this belief, more circumstances, more energy to reflect the fact that I'm going to believe this diagnosis where, just like you say, uh, I, I just start breathing, drinking my own urine, and at a certain point, you know, the cancer will be gone. I mean, that's a super oversimplification of your method. I but mean, honestly, if you did just that, though, it would work. I think you did say something. If you stopped but to, eating, you did yeah. breath work, and you started uh, drinking your urine. I would say the only thing was you should probably consume some other liquids. But right. other than that, you're pretty, you're pretty on point with it. Well, that's, that, that's really my takeaway from, from – It's conceptually from, complex. It's pretty conceptually simple. It's just the emotional vomit that makes it hard for people. Well, that's the thing. When you, you're, when you really understand your concept, which is these things have dried up inside of us. They're drying us out. We're not doing anything about it. We're wasting our fluids at the same time. When you really start to understand these things, forget about science. For just, just think about it as a concept and then the experience of, you know, have I experienced this as a truth? Me, a chronic weed smoker and a, and a, and a uh, what do they call it? Munchies guy kind of guy. I know that shit yeah. is, I know this shit is true. I, I have experienced the no fap. I've, I've run the marathon with weed now for 10 years. I've explored floating psychedelics I, i've tried to explore breathing but again i'm lazy and again i like smoking weed so there's that uh exchange of like okay well i'm gonna i'm, I'm yeah. gonna smoke yeah i'm gonna smoke so i'm not gonna be able to breathe um and that's why it's been tremendously difficult for me to get into a breathing honestly bro even if you try doing breath work after you smoke weed like when you're high shit is crazy oh it's better <laughs> no but the thing is you're right the thing is 
just listening to you and, 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 and even knowing this before with the, you know, you're supposed to breathe when you're tripping because you're right. Your, your hardware and your software are out of alignment. It just makes, uh-huh. it just makes sense. It's like stupid, easy things like that. It's just common sense. Like the bong water, you're 70% water. Look at your bong. You don't think exactly. that you look like that. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps because it's just fucking common sense. It's that, so logical and straightforward. Right. And it, and it just breaks through all the like advertising that this is going to heal you and it's going to solve all your problems. So let me wrap it up here. I've got a few questions from the uh, people online. Some of these are not the nicest uh, questions, maybe. Wait, but before I think, we go into this, we, sh- we got one more pillar. Oh, that's right. Okay, go ahead. Um, so the ninth one is psychology, aligning with the cycles. And understanding your own cycles is very important. So aligning with the sun cycle, the daily routine. So depending on where the sun is at specific times of day, what organ is at its highest energy point, aligning what you do with what organ is highest energy. Um, and like fasting with the moon cycles, aligning your human behaviors and what you plan your life out with, with the moon cycles is big to go in alignment with nature. So you can be in alignment with yourself because as above, so below, as within, so without. So kind of studying a little bit about astrology and not to go too in depth because it's not really worth studying the without when you can study the within. Um, basically, when you study astrology, you just confirm what you learn by studying yourself. Um, so the ninth one is kind of like the culmination of everything. It's like you become conscious through the steps. And now, I mean, because that last step is a lot of conscious effort to align with all these things with purpose. Yeah. So it's the last step. It's once you will. And also like aligning with the cycles helps a lot with fasting. So like they kind of go hand in hand, like it, while you're fasting, like part of the how to fast course is how to align with the cycles. And then when you like, when you go through to cycle one, it's like a little bit of like how to align your fasts with the you, cycles. Let like me that. ask you this. Have you ever heard, I heard from a sad guru and I can't remember if I remember this correctly, but it's like, if you eat food during a full moon, it, it has this, strength of like 30 days in your stomach like it's like the moon has that much power over what's going on inside of you that if you eat anything uh the night of a full moon it's like 30 days it's like the whole duration of a month in one night have you ever heard that i've never heard that specifically but i mean it's pretty interesting with the moon cycle with when it comes to eating like basically like you always want to start the new moon off empty so that you can start the new cycle like the new lesson plan like you're empty so you're ready to be filled with new experience um, other, instead of like, you know, if you're full of food on the new moon, you're basically just repeating a cycle because you didn't learn the lesson. Ah, interesting. You, you didn't release what you took on during that moon cycle. So you didn't actually fully get the full experience. So you have to take a whole nother cycle to learn the lesson and to get the full experience. And then with the full moon, basically like think of it as like the full, the new moon is like the seeds germinating in darkness. And then the waxing moon is the plant growing. And then the full moon is like the full flower. So it's like an emotional pimple popping all the emotions build up during the waxing moon and we're kind of just living life. And that's either like the easiest or most difficult times of our life is the waxing moon. And then everything comes to a head at the full moon and kind of, it's like an emotional pimple. So that's why people freak out. But usually the full moon day, not the full moon night is when people are really fucking emotional and freaking out. Yeah. And the thing is, is you also want to be empty for the full moon because you want to be able to purge all those emotions. You want to be able to get everything out. You want to be able to have that emotional pimple actually pop and get all the pus out. So, if you eat on the full moon, you're preventing yourself from purging. You're numbing yourself from the purge and you're preventing it. And now you got to go all another cycle. Yeah. Before you learn the lesson. Yeah. So each, each moon, each moon cycle is a lesson plan. I'm going to do that next full moon. I'm going to consciously go into it. Uh, empty. I'm going to, 
like I said, I'm, I'm on my own level of trying to implement a lot of these things I've taken from your uh, postings, which as much as your books are, and some people will complain about that online, I understand how it is to be online and trying to make some money. You know, you're not going to be, you, you're not picked up by a big publisher, so you got to make money somehow. So my, my thought is this, if you really want, if you really want to do it, if you don't want to change your life, that $300, that $200, that $100, however much it is, that's nothing. And it, exactly. And, and, it's intangible value. Exactly. Like, if you want to spend $300 for breath for boot camp and you think that's fucking ridiculous, it's like how much is how much money are you going to save not eating? <laughs> that, know? yeah. Or how much money are you going to make alone? by changing how your life? How much money do you spend at Chipotle every month? You know, like shit like that. I mean, how much does fucking a bottle of harmless harvest cost? Like by getting, by reducing the amount that you need to take in, you're going to save mad money that way. And plus, what does it cost to be free? What does it cost to truly understand yourself? What does it cost? That's what, what I mean. What is the value yeah. to you to actually fully be in a state of health and be able to actually feel fucking good every day? What is that worth to you? That's a lot how, more than that for me. That's how I sell floating to people. I'm like, come on now. You think, you know, $50 here? What, what's your, you know, what if I told you by relaxing your mind and body, you could eventually find what you're supposed to do with your next step in your life. Cause that's how I get with a lot of these floaters. They come in, they're very unconscious. They're in pain, whatever they get in the tank. They do enough floating. They relax their mind. It becomes still. And then that small voice inside them tells them what to do next. Whether, however they want to conceptualize that as an angel, God, Jesus, it doesn't matter, but they all come out uh, a little bit more elevated. So that's why I like the floating. So let's move on to the questions. Cause I know you got to go and I got to wrap it up here. So these are just a few questions from my audience, uh, not my questions. First question is by Kid Mystic. It says, why is he so angry? And there's another people, other people are saying also, yes, ask this, please. Yes, I'm curious if his lifestyle actually makes him happy or if it's just an ego pursuit. So a lot of the comments I was getting is spiritual ego, that you're full of yourself. Is a spiritual ego. I think you're burning from the truth, personally. You know what I mean? I, I think you are passionate. And, and you're burning with the truth. That's my takeaway. What do you have to say? What, are, you, are you angry? I don't think so. No, it's kind of like a persona, to be honest. It's kind of like a, a I do it on purpose. I speak like that on purpose. Because it's a I character. Want, it's a character. I want, it to, I want it to fucking hit people. You know what I mean? Like when I say, when I share this stuff, like it's like I'm already expecting opposition. So I'm telling it to you strongly because I know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, not like a, it's not like I'm actually mad. You know what I mean? It's not like, uh, it's not like I don't identify with the information. It's, it, it's not a reflection of me. So when someone tries to argue the information, I'm not mad. And sometimes it comes off as mad, but it's really just straightforwardness and like just not beating around the bush. Like I tell it how it is. And I like to emphasize specific points with like saying fuck. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Uh, it's like a Zen master hits you in the back with a stick. You know, you're not. And it's uh, like you, you trigger people. Like when I show emotion, when I speak, like when I'm uh, like talking hard and being kind of like angry, it's more like more likely to trigger someone. Oh, yeah. To feel some shit from it. And That's, that yeah. heals people. No, totally. That's what I do on with my bullshit is I, I find ways to trigger people. Just for me, honestly, I like, I like to laugh at the comments of both sides of the polarity game. Uh, light and dark, uh, negative, positive, however you want to contextualize it. But somebody said here, you'd think someone who supports urine enemas would be would try to be humble. <laughs> they don't think you're humble. I think you're humble. Um, but I then again, I think you were burning with passion. Yeah, uh, like I don't put myself on a pedestal. I don't think I'm better. No, than you, don't, you don't. You don't. You don't. I, I people do commonly mistake that for me though. Like they do think that I think I'm like hot shit or something. And well, they, like, they you're, you're so you totally don't think that. 
they say well a lot of it i think is you come off so authoritarian with no you know with no science and i don't need your science i'm i'm with you on the metaphysical realm of understanding that yes like 99 percent of stuff i believe in and i don't even have to experience most of it because i've tasted where he's swimming right i know i've had drops of the water you're drinking every day so i know the bliss the truth the consciousness and all these things listen you are in alignment with a lot of these spiritual truths that 99.999% of the world isn't saying. I know that these truths are true. And if you are saying these truths, and I know they're true, and the rest of the world is upside down and asleep telling me lies, I'm going to just listen to this guy who's drinking his own piss because you know, it just may be the world that wants me to jerk off 20 times in a month is wrong. So... And, and somebody, here's another comment here. This, this post, right, me talking to you and, and being, you know, like, maybe we should check ourselves with psychedelics and weed. Maybe we can just get along with breathing. It goes against my entire account. I want people to understand that this is, my, my entire account is about me growing and saying, here's information. I'm learning from it. I'm growing from it. Or here's information I learned and I didn't, you know, I learned something and it was bunk. It was trash. I'm, I try to be as honest as possible because I want that mirror of honesty from reality. And you're exactly that. Um, you're very passionate about your truth. Let's see. Here's a good question from vegans. Yo, hold on. Before we move on, one thing I do want to say is that people misinterpret what science actually is too. I agree science, totally. Science is not companies telling you shit from a study they funded. Science is an observation of the natural world. And everything that I, everything that I share is science from my observation of the natural world. It is science. <laughs> That's what I mean. I trust your experience uh, coming from the other things you're saying. Like, I don't know about I've worked with thousands of clients and shit. Like I've helped people with cancer, heart disease, diabetes, like name it, AIDS, HIV, herpes. It, I'll tell you, there's a certain disease. frequency that the truth resonates at that. I just, I don't know how to put a finger on it, but I just know it. I just I know, know it. Mean. Yeah. He it, who hears it thinks it, but he who feels it knows it. Exactly. So here's a question here from vegans of San Bernardino. Can we still gain muscle and weight practice? Uh, oh, can we still gain muscle and weight practicing urine therapy and fasting? So that was my, my concern is how do you, where does the muscle mass come from? Do you gain muscle mass? Is it possible? Yeah, of course. I'm still growing in mass, but the thing is, and you, and so is my boy Devon, who's been liquid for like over two years now. We, um, the thing is with muscle, like genuine muscle growth is that it, it's not so like we're, we're conditioned for this instant satisfaction. And most of the time when you eat and you, you quote unquote grow, you're not actually growing. You're just stuffing your muscles with snot. Like all you're doing, you're just a wound that hasn't healed and you're just continuing to fill up with pus. So that's why you get that, that puffy look, that big, like bulkiness, you're swole. You're literally swollen. You're a bag of inflammation, a snot body. And the thing is with muscle, you need to use your muscles no matter what, but muscle is made of blood and urine is blood. <laughs> so the more that the more blood that you have circling around your body, the more blood plasma in your body, the more you can make muscle. And obviously there's also stem cells in urine. So stem cells are used to build anything that needs to be built. So if you're using urine for recovery after a workout, the stem cells are going to go where they need to do to make the repairs that the body needs to make. And in addition to that, always substitute pre post-workout meals with post-workout breath sessions because really the only thing that the muscles require are electricity electricity free flowing electrons that is the only nutrient and in if you read the book or listen to the audiobook organic ai that i wrote it breaks down exactly how everything is just light and darkness and different different arrangements zeros and ones and how every element on the periodic table every nutrient in the body is just different arrangements of elements on the periodic table they're all 
come back to different arrangements of darkness and light. And your body has the ability, it's an alchemical machine that can turn different light arrangements into different light arrangements. And your body knows exactly what to do. So the thing is, the concept that you lack something and that you need something in order to do what your body needs is, is just more into that illusion or separation. And I mean, if you want to gain weight, I mean, you have your ideal body weight. Like I'm 115 pounds at 5'11". That is my natural body weight. I cannot lose another pound if I fasted for three years. I would not lose another single pound. I can't. My natural body weight has been reached no matter what. I've pushed past 90 days trying to lose another pound and I can't lose it. So um, basically once you get to your natural body weight, you slow, you'll see over years that that body weight slowly like gets bigger. So it's like from 15.1 to like 15.6 over the course of a year is actually a pretty decent increase in muscle from that point. Cause the only time you're really gaining weight at that point is if you're gaining muscle. But if you want to gain like weight, weight, and you want to like gain 10 pounds, like the only reason you would ever want to do that is because you don't think that you're already enough for yourself. It's literally all insecurity and, and the illusion of lack that you're not good enough, that you're not complete. You're not whole already. You need to swell to take on more things in order to be bigger so that you can be enough for yourself or enough for society. And I mean, if you're doing it for sports and shit, these sports are, it's kind of a different story, but most of these sports are unnatural anyway. Like you shouldn't be competing with somebody who's a different size than you. But when it comes to like athleticism and strength, like me at 115 pounds is stronger than I was at 150 pounds. Yeah. So strength is not something you'll ever lack. You won't lose strength at all. As long as you're still doing things with your body. And I don't lift weights and I'm stronger than I was when I did lift weights. I could do like five times as many pull-ups as I did when I was doing pull-downs every day. And, you know, like pull-ups, dips, push-ups, like I could do a million more than like I was able to when I was lifting weights and, and eating. You know, it's dealing, learn how to deal with your own body weight. You know, I could, I could do 15 backflips in a row on the ground. And, you know, weights aren't going to do that for you. Yeah. Learn how to be aware in your body, move in natural patterns, learn how to use your energy in a way that benefits you because strength really comes down to the use of energy. If you don't know how to use your energy, right. You know, it's not going to work. And when it comes to lifting, lifting sacrifices, mobility, the more that you lift weights, the more, especially like non-natural movements. I mean, there are some ways to add weight resistance. We talked about this on my live last night, actually with, uh, with Steven, uh, Bean, he's, uh, like an athletic coach, like biomechanics, dude. He, um, explains how there are ways to add weight but in nat like that still support the natural movement of the body like lifting weights like benching and dumbbells the these are isolated unnatural movements and you're supposed to move holistically just like you're supposed to take care of your body holistically like it all ties in and it's all part of the same deal but if you're concerned about how much muscle you have you're doing this for the wrong reasons right right okay um and, let's and just try, let, let, as fuck. like i look better naked than just about anyone you probably ever met in your life yeah you know, i was looking at some of your pictures where you were eating like uh you know before and after and you are much more cut and i don't think at a loss that was like you were puffy so yeah right do i, do I look any smaller though not no, really no so let's go through these. I know how much time do you have left realistically? Like 10 minutes, five minutes? 10, 10 fine. Let's just blaze through these questions. Yeah, you know, let's just do some sh short answers because I got a few questions here. First question is, and we didn't really talk about this. How does it work to eat sun from your butthole? How does the butthole sun shining work? 
How does that, uh, my issue is I can't find a place to do it for more than uh, two seconds where somebody's going to see me. Yeah, I feel that. So basically the, the, the science behind it is that the melanin in your body, and you can look up the, the, the human photosynthesis project by Dr. Arturo Solis Herrera in Mexico. And he studied melanin in humans and photosynthesis in humans. And that we actually turn sunlight with melanin in our skin and on our bodies into energy by dissociating the water molecule. So we use sunlight as fuel with our melanin to turn H2O into hydrogen gas and oxygen gas. And hydrogen gas is basically the electron or energy transporter of the universe. So we free up energy by freeing up hydrogen gas from water using sunlight with melanin. That's the science behind it. And you can research this. It's been extensive for years by Dr. uh, Arturo Solis Herrera in Mexico. You're the man. Yeah. He's got a whole fucking thing, a whole study of it. So, the areas of the body that are high, highest concentrated with melanin are number one, your eyes, number two, your asshole, and then number three, your genitals and your perineum. Number four would be your tongue. Um, number five would be your hair. Number six would be your nipples. And then number seven would be the rest of your body. Interesting. All places I usually don't get any sun except from the top exactly. of my Exactly. Exactly. But no, um, I, hear, I hear a lot of people say that uh, the ones that actually do it live by it. But again, how much of that is placebo? I don't know. No, it's, it just feels good, man. Even if it's like not something like, I mean, getting so like I've noticed that my body's able to get more tan from doing it actually. And oh, just I get general, it. Yeah. You're, you're like darker. You're a darker person. You're, you're becoming black. Yeah. Just in general, it's just like a more, you're, you're able to absorb more dark energy from the sun that way. And it makes perfect sense. It's like, the, mel- the darker areas of your body, everything that's pink, your tongue, your dick, <laughs> you know, your, yeah. your butthole, it's all the pink spots, your nipples. It's all melanin and it's all sun absorbing. And when you put your asshole to the sun, it feels fucking good. Even if it's not doing any of the shit that it's been proven to do, it still feels good. It's nice and warm on your ass. Like it feels fucking good. And you're free. You're butt ass naked outside and you're like, yeah, I'm fucking out here, man. <laughs> Yeah, you that's know, another thing. Yeah, you, you got the nudist thing going on sometimes I see too, which is uh, another You're thing. You're designed to be naked. Another, well, that, that's the thing. Another thing I encounter with very high vibing people is uh, you either get to a point where you just become a nudist apparently. I'm not there, but uh, it might yeah. be. Okay. I mean, it's the same reason with face masks, like how I want to breathe, but like yeah. wearing a mask on your whole body your whole life. Like I call shorts dick masks. Now I get masks. Oh, oh nice. You know, I got to right. put my dick mask on. You're right. You're right. Okay, next question. Uh, this is from Matt Adele. How long do I need to age my piss, my monatomic gold, for max potency? Um, so there really is no max potency because the longer you mature it, the more and more it still increases to get better. So like if you literally age it for 10 years, it's better than five years. If you age it for 30 years, it's better than 20 years. And if you age it for a month, it's better than two weeks. So the longer, the better. There's no predetermined amount of time. The longer, the better. I would say start using it as age that around the two-week mark, in my now, opinion. I saw, maybe it was you. I'm pretty sure it was you. Uh, D, uh, piss snorting is better than DMT, smoking DMT. Is it equivalent? Like, is it in? Bro, it in, feels the same to me. It's fucking nuts. I've smoked DMT before. And was, it, was it the frog DMT or the NM DMT? It was like the powder shit. Like it was like orange powder. And okay. I out of a bowl and I fucking yeah, yeah. wiped it all through the tunnel. <laughs> and but but you but when you drink or you snort the piss, it's like that too. You see the it's tunnel. It's like that. That's what I'm saying. When you snort no the piss, way. You, tunnel, you see the tunnel, up, like, bro. It was nuts. Like I got videos of me doing it. Like I straight up like I mixed up the sediment in the in the aged and then just like took a nice like 
both nostrils snort, and I just put my hands over my eyes and just poof, see you fucking later. Held my breath and just like blasted off like I just like I was two hours into breath work. Wow. Uh, when was the la- here's another question. When was the last time you ate? And uh, yeah, when was the last time you ate? Basically, is the question. The last time I ate was like, yesterday. What? I had a yellow dragon fruit. Yeah. And okay. Well, when was the, well, I guess the question is when was the last time you had like a real like three course meal? So like a fake three course meal. Right. 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 <laughs> um, a long ass time ago. Um, like the last time I had cooked food was like I don't even know, but like so long ago. Does smelling? Can you smell like meat eaters? Like when you walk past somebody, and you're like, oh, that guy eats meat. That guy doesn't eat I, meat. I could I could tell even like. It's crazy how like my nose is these days, bro. Like I could tell like if you're mad by how you smell. Oh, I believe that because I get uh, right. I can I can tell instantly when I'm stressed because my sweat smells completely different. I'm like, whoop, I'm yep. in the stress zone today. Not good. Yeah, your odor is your aura. So like, oh, whatever, totally, whatever, dude. Totally. Whatever you're putting out, like sensitive people can totally smell it. Like I could smell like whatever you ate, like. I, I could smell it in your body. <laughs> like if you eat fruit, I could smell that you eat fruit. If you eat like nuts and like denser foods, like cooked vegan foods, I can smell like spices. I could smell that. I could smell people that like spices. I could smell people that eat meat and like cheese. Like they have specific smells. So over time being sensitive for this long, I've come to like notice patterns just because I know people and what they eat. And I can tell that like I've noticed patterns between specific smells and the way that specific people eat interesting so it's not necessarily like that like it just hits you in the face like oh that's meat it's like over time like i've recognized smells as specific things it's like a pattern yeah yeah okay uh we're gonna wrap this up here maybe a question or two more i don't know how dense this question is this is from jonas gn grosso says the human mouth has been adapting smaller and smaller since the industrial revolution most of the food we eat in modern times is soft resulting in crooked teeth which are naturally abnormal but common in humans if breatharianism is the healthiest way to sustain yourself like caputo suggests how do you account for this it's more of a mouth breathing thing than it is a soft food thing your teeth aren't actually designed for chewing in the first place at all they're designed for singing and acoustics oh that was i'm glad you brought that up so another thing you posted about is i guess when you detoxify and you start to get rid of all this shit inside of you i guess we're, your theory is we're all naturally able to sing uh, definitely no one is a bad singer inherently like the only reason that you can't sing is because you're dehydrated Okay, because my vocal cords... And your, and your diaphragm doesn't have its full range of motion. Right, right. Interesting. Okay, and then the guy goes on to ask here, um, I'd like to know medical research to back up the urine therapy because so far there is none, only anecdotal, which can be easily placebo. It says urine oh, therapy... Completely untrue. There is so much medical research to support urine therapy. Okay, and he says here, it says here, urine therapy can be dangerous. Pee is sterile when it first comes out, but quickly grows into bacteria. Yeah, no, that's not true either. I mean, bacteria is not necessarily a bad thing though, but it's, it's definitely not dangerous in any sense. Like I have literally a hundred percent success with everyone with urine therapy. The only people who have bad experiences on it are people who are heavily toxic and it kind of makes you detox fast. So you could break out because it's literally pulling everything out of your skin. Yeah. Shit like that. But I mean, it's not, there's no way that your urine could ever harm you because that would be saying that like your blood is going to kill you. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, and, I'll tell you. Oh, and it's been practiced before Western medicine ever existed. Like they've been doing it since before the English language ever existed. Like they've been drinking their pee in the Eastern part of the world when the Americas were Northwest Africa. 
Wow. Um, I'll tell you, you really have connected a lot of dots for me. There was a, maybe a few more questions, but I think in the course of this conversation over the past two and a half hours, we've covered most of them. But I will say um, there's just, like, I can't remember now what it was I was just about to say, but there's like these few dots you connected and I really, I can't thank you enough. Oh, and I know what it is. I always wondered like, okay, breatharians, what are they doing? Like, how are they sustaining? Okay, they're not eating anything. Maybe they're drinking some water. How are they sustaining? Is there that much energy in the air? But then I realize you, you, with really the, well, there's that, but it's also the recycling of the urine as blood, right? And that yeah. is a huge part everything of Everything in nature recycles its waters. Trees do it. The earth does it. Everything recycles its own waters except people. So, but you also said, okay, so it's like, okay, but not only are we drinking our own urine, but you showed me that, okay, it's what we possibly were doing in the beginning of time and it's clean once you're clean. And it can be potentially like a DMT trip. So not only have you saw, you know, connected the dots. It's deeper too. <laughs> right. I'm sure it is. I'm sure because it's, it does. it's your own natural. I'll say energy. one more thing after, but keep going. No, it's just like, I just thank you for that uh, amongst the other things. Like I, I look at food now, if it's not 70% water, I have to really like, okay, you're either going to drink some water with this or you're not going to eat it. Like just that next level of consciousness just by um, encountering your content. So I guess that's the phone of the universe saying it's time to wrap this up, isn't it? Uh, honestly, no, I got, there's one more thing I want to say. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I can call him back after. So basically um, with the urine therapy, it goes deeper to the sense the whole reason we do the urine therapy is just to not lose plasma while we're on the journey to stopping peeing. <laughs> like breatharians don't pee. They recycle their urine. You can even look up like scientific evidence of Pralad Johnny, who was a breatharian for over 70 years in India, and they studied him. His bladder would fill up, and within an hour, it would be fully re-back absorbed into his blood without him ever peeing. So his body was recycling its own waters naturally without him having to actually pee and then loop it. It was, his body was doing it on its own. Oh, so for you, so, eventually, you won't be looping it. You'll just be absorbing it. Yeah, and I mean, I've done this for periods of time, but I wasn't emotionally ready. I mean, that's, that's basically what's happening with the ejaculation, right? Basically, yeah. You're, you're, you're looping internally your semen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's basically the same shit. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's the key to breatharianism. But what you do is, like, you fast on liquids enough, you get so clean to the point where, like, you're ready to take a stab at it and see if you're ready for it. And you fast on liquids until you feel ready. And then you do just fasting on urine, where you're drinking only your urine and doing the breath work. And then eventually you get to the point where you stop peeing because your bladder and kidneys are reabsorbing now. So even though you've been drinking pee like crazy every day, at around the 10 to 20 day mark, somewhere around there, you stop peeing, depending on you know, how much extra water you had. But eventually your body will find use for all of that water and you will eventually start looping internally and stop peeing. And that's when you dry fast. That's when you're, or I hate the word dry fast. It's a breath fast. You're fasting on only breath. You're not dry because the breath is a source of hydration and you're an atmospheric water generator. So basically you, once you start doing that, you're in the breatharian state. And I've experienced this for shorter periods of time, but not sustained it for long only because of the emotional shit where it's like, yo, like it's, I'm literally so sensitive and it's so intense. Like I need to like take a couple stabs at this and do it before I'm ready to like actually do it long-term. It's something you got to dabble with before you really dive in. Completely. You know, you, you, you've, for the longest you've, I've done is 12 days. You've shown me, the, you've shown us a way tonight to, get back to Eden. Really, I think about it, that, uh, that separation from oneness when we chose the apple was really, I think it's a, a lot of times is a psychedelic. 
And the metaphor is there for me, obviously, with, you know, wanting to shift from the psychedelic lifestyle to the psychedelic lifestyle naturally, you know, because psychedelic only means man mind manifesting ultimately. So, you know, I just, again, thank you for just being out there on the internet and, the, and the, the courage to say these things. I know how tough it can be sometimes, but when you're on fire with the truth, when you're living the life, which you are, you know, somebody's like, oh, he's just trolling people to, to, to you know, to drink their own piss. I'm like, no. That is not what I'm doing. <laughs> I, 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 I know the commitment. You know, I just know. I just know. So it's just. Yeah. And obviously, you got to expect people to say shit like that, obviously, because it's so different than society's like conditioned to think. But that's the thing. I appreciate your courage because the whole world is upside down and there's yeah. 5% of people with that awake enough to bring. I the, wouldn't even say five. I'd probably say one. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I, I want to be optimistic and say five, but yeah, you're probably right. It's probably close to one to 2% of the people out there are awakened to the point where they are realizing these things and so yeah that's the goal now is to you know hopefully get on this path i'm already doing like i said uh, instilling a lot of these things a lot of these things come from my own you know your body has its own intuition and that's what i'll say about my journey and floating you will find a modality that will put you on course it may not be floating it may be yoga it may be hey i'm gonna fast enough till i drink my own urine i don't know what it's gonna be but uh, you will find it and uh yeah, you you can find, take a lot of different cars to the same place. Exactly. You will find your tribe too when you get there. Your vibe does attract your tribe. You're proof of that. So uh, where can we find you uh, and where can we purchase some of your materials? Okay. So uh, the main spots that you can find me are Instagram and YouTube. So on YouTube, I'm the Caputo Method. And on Instagram, I'm Grub from the Garden. And then my backup account is called the Caputo Method. Um, and the only reason I created the backup account is because Instagram gave me some warnings that they're going to take my shit down. So I just don't want to take any chances. I know. Well, I couldn't believe what you, you even get warnings on my, I mean, it must've oh, been dude, about, I get warnings the, on every post, bro. Every single time I post shit, they fucking throw shit at me. It's people are, me. people are triggered and flagging your comments. I know it's so annoying. Like just mind your business. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to keep the frequency out. Uh, a lot of people on my page, I think have come over to your page and, uh, because they're at a certain point, you know, Alan Watts talks about, you know, you get the message, you hang up the phone with the psychedelics. Yeah. There's not much use to them. Uh, it, they do. That's get how them. I feel. That's how I feel about it. I got, I got use out of them. And now I just feel like I learned what they. Right. And so and that's I, how I, that, that, that's how I make peace with them being there. Right. They're not good or bad. They are, are just there. And your experience exactly. may vary. And I, I encourage the use if you really need it. But if you think you're strong enough, you're conscious enough to do breath work, to do yoga, to do it without any crutches, which is what these things ultimately are. I think, uh, go for it. More power to you. Uh, that aligns with me. Yeah. So I, I, Nick, I appreciate your time. Uh, God bless everything you do. Uh, let's definitely when I when I hang up here, I'm gonna keep, uh, I'm gonna keep talking to you, and we'll set something up hopefully with the floating. And okay. I'm so glad that we were able to talk this long because I don't have a yeah. This conversation was great. I enjoyed the whole thing. And 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 I think it's gonna be one of your bigger podcasts out there. Um, that being that you don't, yeah, have I appreciate you doing this and sh let me, you know, share my message on your of platform. Of course, no, I mean, of of course, I I can't believe I have you on here. It's so like so awesome to be. Like in a way, when you look at people online, they're kind of like celebrities now. Like you're a celebrity to me. Like I don't go to a movie anymore. I don't care about Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie. The people I'm interested on interested in are on YouTube and on Instagram. Those are the celebrities to me. And so to be able to reach out and talk to you is very inspiring, very funny content in a way that's not you're not yeah. you're not even trying to be funny. It's just like a, such a powerful message. It's like sorry, your lungs, your body, seventy percent water is bong water. Yeah, like I can't I can't say it. It's 
it, it is the way it is, bro. Don't shoot the messenger. So, I mean, I'm sorry to, to, to break some hearts here on 420, but a lot of you guys need to just realize that it's time to put the crutches down and to try to start to walk. But uh, I'm, right, I'm right there with you. I'm not judging anybody. But Nick, um, everybody check him out. Grub from the Garden on Instagram and uh, YouTube. Fantastic videos. Tons of free content. You'll learn so much for free. And then, like I said, if you're willing, if it's time, uh, you'll, make, you'll make that uh, commitment to spend it's like the guy that does reiki you know you have to charge for it he says because otherwise people uh you do the service for them and they don't learn anything from it because they didn't pay to get there yeah so and you I, gotta you gotta receive when you're given you gotta open yourself up to receive yeah just, given a given you're just like opening yourself up to parasites you know every yeah. energy every exchange should be even and i mean i'm open to working with people who don't want to pay green pieces of paper from the federal reserve you know what i mean like it's as long as there's an energetic exchange and i'm receiving in some way equal or close to equal of what i'm giving that's straight too yeah no um, I, I think that's how you are prefer green pieces of paper but um you know like sometimes like people teach me stuff like like I'm teaching Stephen Bean about certain things about fasting and he's teaching me about athletic mechanics and shit. So like we're learning from each other and neither of us are paying money because why the fuck does the federal reserve have to get involved in this exchange? Well, that's how I feel kind of with you. I'm uh, doing these interviews with people I'm interested in is like, not only do I get to spread your message and, and, you know, I also get to ask the questions I want to ask that maybe I would have had to pay to ask, you know what I mean? So Facts. and I get to share my message on your platform and it's an even exchange. There's and a nice exchange. Everybody, everybody wins. Exactly. So Nick, anything else you want to say before we uh, call it a day? Uh, yeah, just the last thing in addition to the Instagram and the YouTube. Uh, at the link in my bio on Instagram, you can find all my stuff. I'm coming up with a website right now. It's in the process of being made, thecaputomethod.com. It's not ready yet, but eventually, you know, if people listen to this podcast like a month or two from now, that'll be the website, thecaputomethod.com. But right now, it's uh, just you can find it at the link in my bio with all the different options to everything. And I usually put all the links in the descriptions of every YouTube video as well. Yeah, you do so much information in your, uh, on Instagram. Not only here's what I love about your account, just like my account. And I don't do it as much anymore, but great accounts have great pictures and memes or whatever. And then they also have fantastic, like you have like a paragraphs of information underneath a lot uh -huh. of these things. So that's important to me. Instagram is always about the, catching you with the infographic, but then also with the information underneath, you give that out, check them out. I love it, man. It's a great, it's a great way to be creative too. Like I take every single picture, all those background pictures behind the tweets. I take every single one. Of I was thinking that today. And you know, it's funny. I was going to ask that question. I said, where do you, do you get those? Or you take them? I said, no, nah, he's taking those pictures. I take them all myself. Every that's single. Right. I appreciate it. And uh, God, if you don't, if anything, guys, just go to his uh, stuff to be entertained. Just watch him snort piss. I mean, at, yeah, at, 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 at a bare minimum, you will be entertained by that. And then make your judgments internally and then watch the universe synchronize around some of these ideas that maybe you need to act on. Not you, Nick, because you're obviously in the zone, but the audience. Anyway, you guys have been fantastic. Thanks for listening for three hours. And Nick, you have a great rest of your night. I'm going to talk to you offline. You guys are enlightened. I'll see you next time. Good. Much love, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All right.